What up, man? The real coach JB getting ready to go live right here on the Coach JB show. We got a big time get, uh, day in store. Uh, Steve Kim's going to be joining us here in about 45 50 minutes. He will be taking over the show for me for a few minutes as I head on over to Outkicks, the great Dan Dockett's show, which is also live. He's already started his show right now as well. Um, I'm actually watching him live as I'm doing this. So I'm going to jump out of this, head on over to Dan Dockage at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Steve Kim's going to hop on with me for a few minutes, talk some shit, and he'll take over this show. I'll hop out, go do the Dan Dockage show, and I'll be back. And then Matt McChesney will join me with Steve. Me, Steve, uh, Matt, and I will break down all things that I'm going to get into this first hour right here on the coach jb show appreciate everybody joining in hit the like button subscribe become a member this show is brought to you by betonline.ag use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-b and get you 50 percent off welcome bonus um got a lot to talk about today uh the bills Bengals games canceled the afc title game to be played at a neutral site which team does it affect the most the bills the Bengals, the chiefs whose team's home field advantage is going to be nullified who has the best home crowd we're going to break all these things down plus is green bay if green bay loses does aaron Rodgers go to the raiders and if the lions win do you re-sign jared goff long term all that plus a bunch more right here today brought to you by canadipscbd.com we got a 10 challenge going on make sure you head on over to canadipscbd.com Use the promo code COACHJB, get you 20% off. It's the cleanest way to dip. Hector's going to be joining me a, a little bit later on as well. Um, and we're going to talk about some betting for this weekend's games. And then uh, Monday, Adam Pacman Jones has verified he will be on on this Menace Monday. After Zach Smith comes on, we'll have Pacman Jones joining the show. So it's growing. Uh, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, become a member. Let everybody know. Retweet our tweets. Put just put our stories on yours. Lots to discuss here today. Uh, and our new proud sponsor, Kionis Builds. Make sure if you guys in SoCal, especially want a bar or any type of cabinetry built, you head on over to Kionis Builds on IG. Hit them up and tell them the Coach JB sent you. Q U I N O E Z B U I L D S. Kionis. Builds on IG. 
head on over there and check him out. You'll see my bar live later on as I'll be on Dan Dockett's show in my new studio, Cigar Lounge, which we will be moving this show to very shortly once we get the cameras and everything set up in there and the acoustics right. We'll be taking this show right into my new cigar lounge that has been built, and it is fire. It is fire. Um, appreciate everybody blowing up here and coming on in. It's a, uh, it is a, uh, it's a great morning to have a great morning. Appreciate everybody joining. We got a lot to break down today, but let's get you started with the quote of the day, as we always do. It's a great one. If I cut you off, chances are you handed me the scissors. If I cut you off, the chances are you handed me the scissors. I'm just being honest. And I know every single one of you in here that resonates with because you all said, damn, that shit is true. The homie who you thought was the homie that you cut off handed your ass the scissors contrary to belief, which is the next segment we're getting into um, which is brought to you by CandidateCBD.com. Head on over to CandidateCBD.com. Get you some clean dip and some CBD. No HT, no THC, just CBD. Uh, contrary to belief, fake people are only nice when they need something. You already know that's the truth. Fake people are only fucking nice when they need something. Contrary to belief, pull the plug before you let the vacuum suck the happiness out of your ass. How many motherfucking homies you think you know that are vacuums? And gossip dies when it hits a wise person's ears, contrary to belief. Does anybody give you any real talk banter like this every morning to start your day? I don't think they do. I don't think you hear shit like this on a daily basis. Pull the plug before they before you let your vacuum ass sucking homeboys suck all the happiness out. And just understand, as a grown man, gossip dies when it hits a wise person's ears. Stop fucking tweeting about the shit that you think is a trigger word and start listening to the entire message. How about you start listening to the message instead of hearing a trigger word and start fucking twisting people's words around like you've done with Bart Scott and Skip Bayless and everybody else that I see out here. And... I can't wait to break this down. Uh, we got a lot to discuss here. Um, I want to know why the young man who's 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 apparently awake, he's writing messages. He can't speak yet, uh, which is still concerning. I know he's got a tube in his mouth, so I don't know what that process is like. Uh, we can only imagine how rough it is on this youngster and his family. So congratulations. Uh, people's prayers apparently worked. And this kid is awake. Uh, whatever God you believe in, whatever you want to believe in, the kid is up and at it, apparently, uh, moving slowly to getting uh, some limbs firing and his uh, all his uh, neurons seem to be firing on all cylinders. But why are we leading with this kid's story every single morning, every single day? All we hear about is this kid. Ryan Clark shows up with his jersey today on Get Up. And I'm like, dog, let the kid breathe. Let us forget and move on. Let us remember what he was about and how well this thing has played out since the tragedy occurred on Monday. Now let's get past it. Why are we making this a fucking global pandemic? 
This shit happens every day. You just don't see it live. I'm curious. Does anyone know about Peyton Hillis? Do you guys know about Peyton Hillis? Do you not? You guys even know who Peyton Hillis is? Do you know who Peyton Hillis is? Um, this guy. He's in critical condition. Why is nobody talking about this, motherfuckers? He's in critical condition after saving his children from drowning in the ocean. Why haven't we talked about this, ES fucking PN, Fox? Why don't I hear about this fucking story? Why haven't I heard about the kid that's passed away from the DC shoe guy that started DC shoes? Why haven't we seen him yet? And I'm tired of hearing about it didn't happen live on TV. What the fuck does that have to do with the fucking price of tea in China? It has nothing to do with it. Guess what? It's fucking factual evidence. It happened. This guy's fighting for his life right now, too. But nobody's talked about shit. Nobody's talked about this. Unbelievable that we, our perception is reality, man. Let's send out some prayers for Peyton Hillis, everyone. Let's get him $11 million on his GoFundMe. Let's do that now. Let's start that up. Um, Fucking unbelievable. Brian Case, I don't know if you're in here yet. Where you at, Brian Case? Brian Case, a Michigan fanatic, hardball lover of all things. Uh, I like Brian Case. Uh, he... uh. He's came out basically and told everybody, be quiet. Harbaugh's staying in Michigan and da-da-da-da-da. Listen, I know this business. I know it too well. I got people that are tied into this business, very closely knitted. Um, Brian, I don't know. I kind of want to bet you that Harbaugh's gone. But what do you want to bet? You want to bet something? Want to bet like a hoodie and you, you got to buy, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, what you want to bet, dog? Ryan said he could go now. I'm tired of the circus. <laughs> Here's something for you. Jim Harbaugh tells Michigan that the NFL was one-time thing. Look at the date. February 2nd, 2022. That was earlier this year. Now we're headed into February 2023. And uh, he's doing the same thing. I tell you guys all the time, this profession, this is what they do. This is what gets them paid more money. This is what keeps players in-house while the transfer portal is going at an all-time rate so they don't lose too many kids. This is what happens. Um, But I'm just telling you, this happens every year. So let's make sure we go back and carry our receipts and hold them. So we're clear on what's happening here. And this this guy does this all the time, and so does everybody else. So just don't hold too much stock in the fact that he's saying, I'm staying. And But then you understand, he said, we don't know what the future holds. Remember that key word right there, we don't know what the future holds. Who's we? So just be careful. Um, this is a receipt. Just keep it right there. Um 
Lots to discuss here today. Uh, got a great bunch of information from uh, Mr. Hadley, good friend uh, of the show. He is a producer on the Jason Whitlock uh, Fearless Show series. And I got to give him props. He sent me some information and I wanted to share some of it. Uh, the Grizzlies head coach, uh, Taylor Jenkins, um, a little rough around the edge looking like, looks kind of like a, I don't know what they call that, a grunge or a hipster or whatever they call these guys, these white dudes that dress and have hairy faces and beards and not really well-groomed, kind of out of shape, right? Not as out of shape as a Van Gundy or any of them by any means, but he goes under the radar. He goes under the radar. And he is very, very much underappreciated I, I believe um interesting stat from mr hadley he's a he's 81 and 39 as the head coach in the last 120 regular season games he's gone to the playoffs he, he he's taken uh golden state to the brink without john morant and what's the deal with john morant just holding on to the ball before he dribbles it because you got to touch the ball before the clock moves so basically he just holds the ball and just milks the clock is this the new bitch made cat shit that we're seeing on a daily basis now in basketball? Is this the new hack a shack? Is this the new bitch made fucking shit? Can we just play? Can we just play the game? I'm just curious. Can we just fucking play the game? I'm just like, God damn. I'm just curious. Um, I haven't seen the allegations on the Michigan thing at all. I just saw Brandon Case talking to somebody in here. Um, is Let me give you the poll question, though, first. I got to get you the poll question of the day. Um, <clears throat> should the Bengals and Bills game have been canceled? Should they have canceled the Bills and Bengals game completely like they announced last night? Should the game been canceled? Drop your comments in the section below. I got to hear this. Um, <clears throat> It's going to be an interesting talk because uh, we're going to break this down. Um, we're going to break this thing down. The league decided to basically cancel that game. And, um, of course, Bruce Helms would have canceled it immediately. <clears throat> um, yeah, I watched it earlier on Get Up, man. Ryan Clark has to come out with the jersey and fucking be the highlight of the fucking of the world and uh, he's the co so contrite um man it's such a joke dog if it's anyway let's get on to this next part of this thing the cancellation of the bills and the Bengals game um has caused a lot of uh again dog what does jb know i think i was on this show tuesday after the incident and I've basically said every single fucking thing you're hearing right now today. All the media has changed up their whole spill. Have you noticed everything's kind of taken aback? Like, oh, oh, this guy's writing messages. Who won the game? Because he only wanted to know who won the fucking game. Didn't myself, Matt McChesney, Steve Kim, Zach Smith, all the guests that have been on the show this week. Haven't we mentioned the same thing? This kid just wants to play and wants the team to play for him. He didn't want this game to be canceled, and he didn't want the game to be stopped. He wanted to know who won the fucking game. That 
is what I've been saying, but guess what? You can't even ask those questions no more before you're canceled off the fucking face of the map. It's fucking unbelievable. But now all these people are asking the same question. Scott Van Pelt asked the same question as fucking Skip Bayless did, but Skip Bayless the one being canceled, not Scott Van Pelt. Ironic how this shit works. I'm just curious. Since we've got that out the way, the NF- the commissioner and Roger Goodell in the NFL canceled the game completely. Bad mojo. Bad mojo if you play the game, apparently, right? So, bad mojo. All right. So, fuck Daryl Stingley. Um, fuck all the people that have been paralyzed playing this game. No bad mojo there. So, look. <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> I believe it's soft fucking mojo. How about we're just soft as runny baby shit? Obviously, this. <clears throat> the league decides that the AFC championship game will be played at a neutral site. <clears throat> Today's that's going to come down the, the, the ticker here. We're going to find out which game, what's going to be the ruling on this. <clears throat> the Bills, Sean Salisbury on the Last Chance Q came up with the best idea, in my, in my opinion. Like, just cancel all week's games. Just push it back. Get rid of the, the two weeks off between the, the, the title game and the Super Bowl. It used to be one week off, as business is normal. One week to prepare. That's what it used to be in the NFL. Just go back to that. Get rid of the fucking two-week layoff. Go to one week. Take this week out. Back it up. And play all the games. You did it versus COVID. You didn't miss a game in COVID. You missed no games during COVID. Like, you kidding me? Global pandemic hits and we don't miss a game in the NFL. But now we're missing games due to a freak incident that happens when we play this game. This is what happens. I'm sorry, people. But having said this, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City, top three teams in in the East right now. Which team is affected the most? Which team is affected the most if it is played in a neutral site? Please drop your uh, questions down on the bottom. Drop your questions. I'm curious. Uh, Kansas City probably has the loudest stadium in the AFC, uh, probably the loudest or the second loudest in the NFL behind Seattle and the 12s. Uh, I believe Kansas City uh, has an argument to be made. Cincinnati, I don't believe, has that lore because they're just fairly new as far as having a winning tradition, going to the Super Bowl last year, haven't been to the Super Bowl in 30 years, and then going last year, they've been kind of irrelevant. Now they're back kind of going, trending towards the top. Do they struggle the most about being away from home? And then Buffalo, Bill's Mafia, Buffalo's crowd may be the craziest right now. They jump on tables and fucking jump through people and do all this crazy shit. They eat fucking breakfast out in the fucking 20 below zero degrees weather and, 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 and frostbite their dicks off. All this old shit, right? Bill's Mafia. They have an argument. Which one of these three teams will suffer the most? by having a game in a neutral site. Uh, That could very well be a poll question. Drop your thoughts on that. Um, Yeah, I do agree. Chiefs Chiefs fans do travel probably the best. And they're probably most centrally located as well, though, right? So those teams right there, centrally located, Kansas City can kind of get to all those cities. 
So I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see. That's a very interesting question. Uh, Kansas City has played in four straight AFC title games. Will the Chiefs make it five straight this season? Um, and since 2013, very interesting stat, uh, stat from Mr. Hadley. Uh, two play, Buffalo has, I mean, uh, Baltimore has two playoff wins. Um, but you guys all anoint uh, Lamar Jackson as the greatest thing since sliced bread. Will the Ravens win a playoff game this year? And if not, is Jim is John Harbaugh on the hot seat? Is John Harbaugh on the hot seat? Could you imagine Jim Harbaugh replacing John Harbaugh? <laughs> Can you imagine Jim Harbaugh replacing John Harbaugh? That shit would be crazy. It might take over the news over the Hamlin situation. I doubt it. I doubt it. Hamlin will be the top of the news every day. Too bad Hillis is struggling for his life. No one's talked about if new uh, if Detroit beats Green Bay, do you sign Jared Goff long term? And is that a true indicator that Aaron Rodgers is gone? Is Aaron Rodgers gone if they lose to Detroit this weekend? And does that kind of start a new regime in Detroit with MDC and the crew and signing? Do we sign Jared Goff long term? That is um, the question. That is the question. Um, very interesting. I don't know. John Harbaugh's done a hell of a job for what he has, okay? He's got a team that he's had to build an offense around Lamar Jackson with no receivers. Hollywood Brown was his best. He got the fuck on because he knows he can't get the ball consistently, so he got out of there. Now he's with another mental midget in Kyler Murray, so he's now like, fuck. Maybe I need to go play for a 46-year-old Tom Brady or something that can get me the ball on time and stop fucking with these dudes who can't read coverage and just wants to run around all day. Maybe that's what wideouts are starting to think, and that's why they're getting the fuck out of there. That's maybe why Devontae Adams is like, dog, I've done this on my own this year with a guy that can't get me the ball, and I have 1,400 yards, the all-time Raiders receiving leader in in a season, and... And I'm going to be honest, I've, I'm on record saying Devontae Adams will have his worst individual season of his career. Statistically, obviously, this is not that. I still don't believe this is his. I still believe in my true heart that this is his worst individual season. You have to comp- you have to make sure you understand what I said when I meant when I what I meant when I said Devontae Adams is going to have a bad season. If you think Devontae Adams has had a good season because he has had the most yards in in the Raider history in a single season, you're mistaken. He has not. He's had games with one catch. He's had games with no catches. He's had games that he's struggled completely. He's had games where they're fucking double-teaming him and they can't get the ball away from him. He's had games where the Raiders are just absolutely horrible on offense. He's not happy. He's not getting the ball like he should. You don't need to have 1,400 yards force-fed down your throat either, which the Raiders had to do because that's how fucking good Devontae Adams is. That doesn't mean he had a great season. I've had hell, I've had great statistical leaders in, the, in my career, and we've been horrible as a football team. The Raiders are fucking horrible as a football team. And you can force feed guys all you fucking want. It doesn't mean he's having a great season. He still had his worst individual season, in my opinion, 
and he's miserable and you can see it. And I was on the sideline for a game and I saw it. I saw him and his attitude cussing out, going back and forth with coaches because he's not getting the rock when he should. He's being force fed the football. 1,400 yards of force fed. That is a real thing, by the way, since you guys all have greater resumes than me and know more than me. You can force feed a motherfucker when Hunter Renfro misses half the season. And when your tight end Waller misses half the season and you have a running back like Jacobs who you want to get the rock to, you can be force fed the football and get 1,400 yards in a 17-game season in the NFL. Contrary to your fucking belief. That doesn't mean you had a great individual season. Sorry. Um, Bruce, I'm just talking about the numbers. God damn. Um, So anyway, Jared Goff has a chance to beat Rodgers. Kind of change his little legacy. I don't think he will happen. I think Jared Goff will choke. If New England beats Buffalo, will this be the best Belichick coached season ever? I've been, I've brought this up before. I have brought this up before. If Belichick wins, he has done a job that no one's talking about. He should be in the coach of the year's discussion. He should be in the coach of the year discussion. With a defensive coach coaching offense, a quarterback who's been hurt going through quarterback, quarterback, Zappy Jones, Zappy Jones, what are we going to do? And then you have a defensive coach coaching offense. And Sean Salisbury and I said both of us can coach better than anyone on that fucking New England offensive side of the football coach to quarterback. And what he's done on the brink of the playoffs, once again, is unfucking believable. Regardless of what you think, they've had injuries. They've had a. They're in a great. They're in a much better AFC East than they used to be when Tom Brady was there. Just so we're in the clear here, Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets are much better than they used to be when Tom Brady was in the East. When they used to be when Matt McChesney played for the Jets. We'll ask him about that. What he thinks about that later. But is this one of his best? coaching jobs ever you got to ask that question is it one of his best coaching jobs ever um or are you going to say he hired these coaches it's on him maybe it's his worst coaching job ever it's a very very debatable topic it's interesting to hear the what side you lean on is it his greatest job is it his worst job i think he's hired these coaches and made it very very tough on mac jones I don't think he helped himself at all with Mac Jones by hiring coaches who don't know what the fuck quarterback play really entails. That is a Belichick issue. That's a you problem. You made the hire. Now you have to sleep in the bed that you fucking are in. That is what it is. And I don't believe Belichick has a one issue in the world of doing it. He does it and he did it and he's on the brink of the playoffs. Can they beat an emotionally roller coaster driven Buffalo Bill team after this week? Limited practices, heavy hearts, emotional roller coaster, Buffalo Bills team who doesn't really need to win, but they do. So, plus, it's an Eastern uh, AFC East rivalry game. Do you want to put your foot on Belichick's throat, Sean McDermott? 
and say this is our conference now unequivocally don't even fucking try us bill that is what you have to ask is the competitive edge still there from the old school era when i played or when belichick played and barcells coached and cower coached and all these og coaches coached because i guarantee you those guys would want to put their fucking foot on belichick's throat and belichick doesn't give a fuck what happened this week he has sympathy for the kid no question but he wants to beat the Buffalo Bills in a major fucking way, regardless of what's going on with the Hamlin kid and their organization. Just so we're clear. He wants to get into the fucking playoffs. Just so we're clear. So. That's an interesting one right there. If the Jaguars get in the uh, playoffs and they beat Tennessee, are they a fucking contender? Are they a serious contender? Um, are they a serious contender? And just so we're clear, MPC, your record doesn't always reflect what a good job you've done. So, so let me ask you this, MPC, is Mike Tomlin up for the coach of the year? Is Mike Tomlin up for the coach of the year? He's eight and eight. So you don't think Mike Tomlin's done one of the most incredible coaching jobs of the season. You don't believe that Mike Tomlin should be up for the coach of the year candidacy. If you say no, then you just, you don't fucking know it, football. And if you think record in the NFL is a sole indicator on coach of the year, you don't know football either. So I'm just throwing that out there. So don't tell me Tomlin should be, but Belichick shouldn't. They're both eight and eight. The old school New England Patriots is over, dog. The 13 and threes and the 14 and twos and the 15 and twos is over. There is no more. The free agency has ruined the 16 and one teams, just so we know. <laughs> Just saying, just throwing that out there. Um, can the Jags win a playoff game if they get in? I'm rooting for Doug Peterson. I want to see him. I like Vrabel, too. I got a former player on the Tennessee Titans, Lonnie Johnson, plays safety corner. Um, you know, it's just I want to see what the Jags can do. I want to see what the Jags can do. Um, and, and, and I got to be honest, I'm bringing up some things. I got to – you got to – you got to give credit where credit is due as well. And I believe that in this soft culture and the soft society we live in, everyone gets a trophy. I believe we, we punish winners and we, 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 we fucking coddle losers. High school coaches are getting fired for putting a hundred on the opponent in a game. Shouldn't the guy that's getting a hundred put on him get fired? Basketball, high school basketball here in California, it was a hundred and something and nothing after a quarter in a fucking high school basketball game. And they only play what? Eight minute quarters in high school. Dog. They fired this dude because he put up a hundred and a quarter on a team. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
Why do we punish winners now? Because we're soft as fuck, dog. We have to coddle losers now. It's okay, Johnny. It's okay. You got hurt. Oh, my God. You pulled a hamstring. You can never play football again. No. Oh, my God. Hamlin got hurt in the game. A freak incident. Please pull everybody out of football. Pull everybody out. No one can play. Put flags on them. Just so you know, women's soccer and men's soccer are times two greater at risk than an NFL football game. I'm just, but nobody wants to break down those stats. Nobody wants to talk about that. Soccer is more dangerous than football, but nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about NASCAR. Nobody wants to talk about fucking hockey. Nobody wants to talk about that. You guys are fucking so soft that it blows my mind. A winner that puts up 100 gets fired. The loser who gives up 100 keeps his job and is national news because he should be felt sorry for. So back to my point, let's stop just talking about the guys who've done good with teams and been average with teams like Belichick and Tomlin, who are eight and eight. Let's start giving some credit to the guys who are winning games like Sirianni in Philly, like the guy in Minnesota. I don't care what you think about Minnesota. We don't trust them. Cousins is this and that. They're still winning games, and he should be considered for fucking coach of the year. He's a rookie head coach, people, in the NFL with Kirk Cousins at quarterback with no defense. He is in the hunt for the one seed in Minnesota. He's done a hell of a job. Sirianni has won two years in a row and has done a hell of a job. We all thought he was a weirdo fuck from his first press conference. And he's done a hell of a job. Why are we miss? Why are we going over and dismissing these guys for winning? Why are they not being more praised for the jobs they're doing when they just win every week? Now, Philly's struggling. No Jalen Hurts. But that doesn't – I'm not going to put Sirianni's job below Mike Tomlin or Belichick. He's dominated the season most of the year. He dominated – when he beat the Tennessee Titans handily, I said, okay, this team has to be considered serious. Sirianni has to be considered as a legitimate coach. Shanahan, he's done a great job. He's gone through three quarterbacks. I haven't heard his name. Pete Carroll still done a great job. and. Brian Dable's done a hell of a job with Daniel Jones and has them in the playoffs in New York. Doug Peterson's done a hell of a job in Jacksonville. There are a lot of candidates for coach of the year this year. It is not an easy one. And I'm going to throw a name out there that no one's talking about. Steve Wilkes in Carolina. As an interim head coach, Steve Wilkes deserves that fucking job. Nobody's talking about Steve Wilkes because you know why? No one expects him to keep the job. No one expects him to keep the job. And MDC is in there. MDC is in the mix. He's done a hell of a job turning it around. Started off slow and then they, they started off fast and then they, they go losing again like the Lions. Everybody writes them off and then they go on this streak. And now they're in the mix one game away and then get in the playoffs. 
He's got to be in the mix. It is not an easy task this year to pick a coach of the year. It's not easy. I don't want to be that guy that has to pick that fucking guy. Um, and then you got Zach Taylor with Cincinnati, who's only just came back after a Super Bowl where Sean McVay has struggled mildly and has been out of the playoffs for a long time, but he won a Super Bowl now. So he's got a Super Bowl hangover like no other. They've had the worst season ever after winning a Super Bowl. And Zach Taylor's like, fuck this. I tasted that shit. Like, I tasted the clip. I need to stick my dick in. He needs to get there now. He needs to win the Super Bowl. You know how eloquently I put shit. I do that shit because I'm a fucking Juco coach. I got to say shit that fucking resonates with my audience, motherfuckers. You suck on the clit and taste it. You surely want to stick your dick in there. Don't play with me, motherfuckers. You know the real. So, should Carolina remove the interim tag and head coach Steve Wilkes? I believe Steve Wilkes should be the head coach. I think he's got the motherfuckers to buy in. He's gotten rid of McCaffrey and gotten better. How do you get rid of your best player and get better? That tells you something, people. That tells you something. That tells you something. Mr. Hadley, give me some information I did not know. I did know about Kurt Warner. I did know about Steve Barkowski being from Iowa. I did not know. All my Midwesters in the house, raise your hand. I know everybody in here. I know there's a ton of Iowans in here. Joe Burrow's from Iowa. Steve Barkowski's from Iowa. Kurt Warner's from Iowa. Born and raised in Iowa. I got some information, though, that I think is very interesting. Which is the better story among the Iowa-born quarterbacks? Did you also know that Brock Purdy is from Iowa? And did you also know that Max Dugan is from Iowa? I did not know that. I thought Dugan was from Texas. Max Dugan and Brock Purdy are from Iowa. So Iowa has some pretty legitimate quarterbacks from the state. Um, I thought Burrow was from Ohio, too. Um, but... I do know Burrow's dad. Burrow's dad's been a coach for a long time, and I do know he was in Iowa, so maybe he was born in Iowa. I, you know, that's what I'm hearing. People are saying he's from Athens, Ohio. Maybe he was raised in Athens, Ohio. I believe he was born in Iowa on his birth certificate. I will check that out. And Purdy, I thought, was from the West Coast, but... Um, I know he played at Iowa. I don't know if he is from Iowa, but he has some Iowa ties. Is is, And I thought Max Dugan was from Texas, but is he, these guys are apparently Iowa-born. So maybe you should look into it. This is, says Iowa-born. It does not say Iowa-raised. So make sure you look it up. Um, see, people are saying he's born in Ames. So... I think this information is correct. I trust the motherfucker sending me this information. Burrow was born in Ames, Iowa. That's what I taught. I've known his dad since he used to coach at Iowa State. I'm just telling you guys, just don't fucking believe everything you see. 
He was raised in Ohio. Doesn't mean he was fucking born there. God damn. Some of you motherfuckers, man, don't know. And you just want to fucking start saying shit. <laughs> he was born there, dog. So I knew I knew Bruce, I knew Bruce Helms was gonna jump on there and say, Would you say Iowa has the best per capita football talent? <laughs> Bruce Helms loves it. You could have three motherfuckers and, and, and it would be crazy. Uh, Dugan's from Council Bluffs. Okay, that's the home of a JUCO, uh, uh, Iowa Central, right? Um, so look, let's just say they're all from Iowa, which I think they are born in Iowa, okay, by the way. Is Purdy and Dugan a better situation than Joe Burrow and Kurt Warner and Steve Barkowski? Because if Dugan wins a title and Purdy wins a Super Bowl. Dog, you got a lot of uh, explaining to do, Lucy. If Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl and Max Dugan wins a natty, hey, you might start to, you got you to gotta put Iowa in the mix. Iowa in the house. All right, let's, let's get into something here. Stetson Bennett. 37-year-old quarterback at Georgia. If he wins a national title, does he rank amongst the nation's elite quarterbacks of all time? Does he rank elite, uh, one of the best college football quarterback playing quarterbacks of all time? Or is he just another version of Eli Manning, a good quarterback who played on good teams with big-time defense? I don't know. He had to put up a lot of points to beat Ohio State. So that kind of tells me he can win in any type of game. He had to put up a lot of points last year in the playoffs to get by um, Alabama as well and put up a lot of points in that game. I think he can do what he has is required of him. I think he can score when he has to score. So I think he can score when he has to. That's just my personal opinion. So that's that's just something that um, – I just he just doesn't have the skill set for me to put him in my top college quarterbacks of all time. But he is very much an older gentleman as well playing the position. He's older. So fuck. He's an older kid that reminds me of Chris Winkie. He gives me a lot of Chris Winkie vibes because now when he goes to the NFL, Beth, Bennett will get drafted somewhere real low and late. And He'll be a Chris Winkie. He'll be 27 in the NFL, 29, and he'll fucking be a journeyman backup. He'll probably play two years on a team and get cut, and he'll go coach somewhere. So that's my take on Stetson Bennett. But who knows? We'll see. I think Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. I don't know why he's not even – I don't understand why you cannot think he isn't. Um. Eli Manning is a fucking one percenter. And I, I I love the debate, dog, that Eli Manning's not that good. You guys are fucking on crack. You guys are really on crack. If you don't, you really don't know football if you think Eli Manning is not that good. It's unfucking believable. It is unfucking believable that you don't think he's very good. I just, I miss being honest. Um, Oh, my God. You guys are unbelievable. Um, hold on here. 
see. God damn it. Trying to copy this over to Matt. Let me get this over. Uh, let's see. All right. Um, Eli ain't no Peyton as far as what? He's got two Super Bowls. He's got two Super Bowls. So I'm just saying, what is he not equal in? He's got two Super Bowls, dog. Like, uh, what are we talking about? This dude is a... This dude's a one percenter. Sorry. I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. He's a one fucking percenter. So look, I brought up this thing yesterday I want to get to real quick. I said, is nobody going to really talk about the fact that the young health issues are possibly due to the shit that's in these manufactured marijuana plants and seeds and pineapple, watermelon, marijuana, vaping pens and all this synthetic shit that you're putting in your body. Are we just going to dismiss the fact that that is a possibility? That is what I tweeted. It's kind of gone crazy. All these people are in there talking about all this shit. And I've had people come up to me and blow my DMs up. I've been literally hundreds of DMs about this topic. Okay. And I brought up this topic. And I've gotten hundreds of DMs. Hundreds of them. Coach, you're, I think you're on to something, man. I was smoking this shit. I had to give it up. I had to go to heart. I had to go to emergency room because my fucking heart was uh, some some disease. They said some some uh, rare heart uh, ailments, and it's from the synthetic weed. But nobody's mentioning it, and they and and this guy tells me he had to sign a disclaimer in the hospital that stated. You cannot. So I'm telling. So you're telling me that you had to sign an NDA, basically, on your own body. Get the fuck out of here. And if this is true, I, I told him I wouldn't share his name. He does not want to be. If this is true, dog, there's some real shit going on. And I'm just telling you right now, nobody's talking about it. But have I been the one that's brought it up? Hey, what do I know? But nobody's talking about it. I just want to know this. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying this is Dr. Brown here reporting and I'm telling you this. No, I'm not saying that. But why can't I bring up a discussion and ask the question? Why can't I bring up the question? Maybe this is a possibility. Maybe this is a possibility. Why ha- why can't we bring it up? Is it is it is it we don't have freedom of speech no more? I can't ask a fucking question. I can't ask you that, hey man, has anyone thought about what's in the food that these kids are eating at an all-time high? 
Has anyone asked about what's in the weed that these motherfuckers are smoking at an all-time high? Or ingesting or inhaling or... And, you know, of course, you're going to get the dick right. This is number one. I, I, I'm glad somebody texted me this. Oh, wait till you see everyone say, yeah, just like your cigar smoke in hell. <laughs> First of all, you don't inhale smoke, cigar smoke. You'll fucking die, number one. But number two, we love how you reflected onto my cigars. See, I didn't bring up the fact that I didn't. That's not the question I asked, though. See, why can't you answer a question that is brought up instead of re- deflecting it? And putting some other shit on it. What about your whiskey and cigar? Like, how about you answer the fucking question first, motherfucker? How about you answer the question that I asked? Why isn't anyone bringing up the fact that it could be a major issue? Because I haven't heard it about it from anyone. I have yet to hear it from anyone that this synthetic shit that everyone's put in their body could be a major problem, dog. Why hasn't anyone talked about it? Why hasn't it? I don't know. Oh, you know me, dog. I'm going to always talk about my shit. I'm going to talk about my shit. I'm going to do me on all platforms. You already know. So I'm just confused, though. Um, Somebody said he didn't know people are smoking synthetic marijuana. Jesus Christ. Where have you been at, dog? (laughs) I see it every day. What are you talking about? So you haven't seen the fucking weed that people are putting in vape pens? That's because it's flavored pineapple or raspberry or fucking watermelon? Are you fucking joking me? (laughs) Are you joking me? Steve Kim is going to join us right now. Uh, we got a few minutes. I I, I, I got to I gotta ask Steve. Steve, what's up? I love the dark ton- dungeon in, uh, in the California cloudy. You know, California is used to being sunny uh, at all times. So when it's cloudy in your house, it's like fucking uh, my cigar lounge. Yeah, it's, yeah. A little, it's a little early. So the sun hasn't completely set on this side of my uh, little office. Hey, by the way, I owe you money because I got you working now. Like, uh, you probably didn't expect a couple weeks back. Like, oh, fuck, I got to host a guy's show now. I got to come on it a few times a week. What the fuck's going on? So I, I, at least I could pay him back with red meat. No, no. Trust me. By the time I get through eating at you out of house and home, uh, I'll be in the deficit. But, but. Here's the thing about that argument about what about yours, which is, I guess, their version of what about Brett Favre? Here's the thing, coach, at our age, if we're going to smoke and drink all Sunday, which I am, we're not athletes. You specifically said young athletes. That's all I said. (laughs) We don't compete. It's like like when they talk about steroids and you see these actors taking steroids or HGH. Well, here's the thing. They're not athletes. There's no collective bargaining agreement. It's not illegal. They could pump themselves up like Flex Wheeler in 1992 or Lee Haney, these actors. The athletes have rules. It's a little bit different. People, context matters. You're fucking right it does, man. I don't understand. I'm telling you, Steve, I brought this up earlier this week. We have trigger words now that's out there on Twitter and Instagram, and and there's these words that you either hear Bart Scott say, T. Higgins. T. Higgins said, holy shit, Bart Scott just blamed T. Higgins. So you hear these certain things. You know, I said smoke. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. what about your cigar smoke? <laughs> wait, wait on. That's what you took out of the possibility of this weed that's manufactured and that could be bad? I don't know. I know that's why Dan Dockett's is having me on his show here in about 10 minutes because he wants to take get my take on it. And I'm just like, I, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying this is what the re- – I did not come out and say this is unequivocally, without doubt, the sole reason for all right. the heart ailments in youth athletes. No, hey, I did not say that. I Coach. said – why can't we bring it up, Steve? No, well, here's the well. One of the other things is like if you take a look at like the the taboo issue of vaccines on these NFL or college football broadcasts. I I just noticed it because I cut away a lot of times with other games when when these companies like Pfizer or like sponsors. Well, there's your question. That's one thing, but again, I'll go back to this: smoking a cigar recreationally at our age and 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 enjoying a, an adult beverage, okay, is different than an athlete who's paid to play who does something habitually. I would guarantee you that most people don't smoke as many cigars on a daily basis as some of these young men may smoke throughout the day who use their bodies as their choice of their trade. It's, it's different. It's different. By the way, I'm looking in your comments, and I want to do a thing when, when you leave to do your little uh, uh, engagement there. Uh, Ock Nation News is in this. He's one of my favorite YouTube channels. Everyone follow Ock Nation News. This guy is the Walter Cronkite of the streets. Where is he, he at? A, uh, Ock Nation News. He's right there in your comments. Oh, okay, I saw. Yeah, yeah. Steve Kim, this motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, and I love this guy, and he has a great. He has one of the funniest phrases about about crime and what's going on in our culture. He just says it. There are no solutions, and there really isn't. There's just a bunch of shitbirds, and there are no solutions. So, Ock, want to give you a shout out. You do a great show. Uh, he he calls Asians crouching tigers. It's the most hilarious thing. You white guys are glacier gliders. Black people are sun men. Uh, oh, any Latin or Me- Mexicans or hombritos, it's hilarious. I, every time I think of it, I laugh. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. Uh, if TCU wins the Natty, ooh, should Sark and Jimbo Fisher just fucking resign? Oh, God, it's not a good, especially for Sark, because he's in Texas. Well, actually, both of them are now. Oh, you're, you're, absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right. That, that's an interesting question. You know, I was listening to you earlier about uh, Stetson Bennett. I've said this for a while. He's actually turned into a really good college quarterback. Do I think he has an NFL future as a starter? No. He'll probably be a late-round draft choice. He might be a camp arm. He could probably stick around as a team with a team that has three quarterbacks. Not a lot of teams do anymore. Here's what I think. He, to me, will be a Georgia legend. I don't think he'll be a college football legend. He'll be a Georgia legend. Anytime you win a national title as a quarterback, and especially if you win twice, um, I, I think you got to be – you're the type of guy that will have statues built there in Athens, Georgia. But, I, I mean, there's, there's the thing. There's so many more gifted, better quarterbacks than Stetson Bennett. Let's be honest. With last year's defense at Georgia – Coach, they gave up 11 points a game in modern college state football. That's like the 2000 Ravens, 85 Bears. Uh, there's a lot of guys that kind of handed off 30 times and won it. This year, he's been a little bit more of a playmaker. But let's be honest, for much of that game uh, last weekend, 
CJ Stroud was a much better quarterback, and he is. He's going to be drafted top five. So I, I, I would say that Stetson Bennett, if he wins it, becomes a Georgia legend. Maybe right up there, a little bit below the great Herschel Walker. Let me ask you this, Steve, uh, and, and I know you could carry this for a couple minutes while I'm gone, but yep. I, don't, I don't know if you have some topics, but which head coach needs a playoff win more this season? Mike McCarthy, Matt LaFleur, Todd Bowles, or John Harbaugh? LaFleur. i tell you the thing with LaFleur that's really interesting, and he's won a lot of regular season games. I want to give him credit. And, and this is a ding on both him and Aaron Rodgers during this run. They lose a lot of home playoff games. And one thing that I think a good quarterback and coach do, they win in the playoffs at home. And I just, I get the sense, as much as I like A-Rod, he should have at least another Super Bowl appearance or three and at least one more Super Bowl. And you look at the last two years, they lost playoff games at home when you're thinking you should win that game. Should win that game. So that that's that's my view of it. Um, Todd Bowles is interesting. I don't know if he needs a playoff win, but God, this is one of the worst playoff teams you're gonna ever see. I know. Now they, they've been terrible. Season. They're on a little streak, and if they get going with this quarterback they have, can they just say turn it on and say shit? We're gonna go beat Cowboys at home in seventy degree weather in January, where no one else will have that weather. Well, Not LA right now with this storm we're having, um, Coach. The quarterback that has the most pressure, if that's the matchup, is Dak Prescott. No, Look, Dak's, no Dak's, doubt. Dak's had a lot of good good moments this year. They've won some games. I know he's had some turnover issues. But I, if he is matched up in the first game with Brady, and Brady at his age with a, basically a 500 team beats them, there's going to be a lot of doubt about the long-term. I, I don't know about the long-term status. What about Dak Prescott? Because that's another guy. He uh, has not won a lot of playoff games. Steve, I brought it up yesterday. I don't see how you can bring him back. Oh. What What do you do? Like, Steve, what, at what point do you just say, okay, fuck, you're nine. He's got to win a Super Bowl, right? But doesn't like, he have this contract where they're stuck with one another? Who do you unload that contract to? I think it's very similar to Derek Carr's contract where they – it's front loaded, but I think they could get rid of. They're getting rid of Derek Carr, and and they don't. They're not gonna. They, they're gonna pay him whatever they owe him this year, and that's it. I think Dak is similar um, to that. I'm not sure. I think it's kind of similar. Let me ask you this before I go on over here, yeah. and I'm um, just giving you some stuff to talk about. I know Harbaugh. This was this was oh. last year. He said, oh, "I'm not. I'm not. I'm not entertaining it." Well, we're back at Harbaugh to the NFL. And then why has nobody talked about this guy in critical condition and Hamlin's every single news article there is? This guy right here should be uh, kind of thought about, right? He saved his own kids' lives. Um, nobody's talking about him in critical condition. It's just, a, you know, perception's reality. It's all about the narratives being pushed by certain platforms, and we don't see um, a lot of things being discussed. But – Hey, I'll, hey, everybody, make sure you guys chop it up with Steve. Ask him some questions. Steve's yeah. going to take over the show for a few minutes, and I'm going to go on over here to Dan Dockage, and uh, I'll be right back, and uh, Steve's going to do a great job. Matt McChesney may pop in on you. If he doesn't, uh, I'll be right back. All right. All right, guys, I'm going to take over here, so bear with me. Here's what we're going to do. Ask me some questions. I got the chat going. My eyes are real bad, so I can't read the screen. I'm not going to put on my contact lenses this early. Anyway, if you have a question – 
Uh, I will answer them. In fact, I got one right now from Blake Cohen. What are your thoughts on Davis versus Garcia this week? And yeah, first of all, my full thoughts on this particular card, I write a bi-weekly column for snack.com, S-N-A-C.com. Yes, the one owned by the great Victor Conte, that guy of Balco infamy. Here's the thing with, with Tank Davis. He's a really robust puncher, solid 135-pounder. And Hector Luis Garcia is a pretty good fighter. He burst onto the scene this past year by absolutely destroying Chris Colbert in what was an upset. And then he beat Roger Gutierrez, a solid veteran. But here's the issue. There's a reason why they chose him. In my view, you're not going to pick an opponent headed into a big-time pay-per-view fight down the line with Ryan Garcia if you think anyone is too much of a threat. That's just not the way the boxing game goes. You choose the path the least resistance before the biggest payday. And Garcia's a solid plugger, sound, fundamentally grounded. But it's really a 26-30 pounder, and he is moving up in weight. The Tank Davis Brain Trust throughout the years, they've done a really good job of kind of picking and choosing guys at the right time and weight. I expect this to be a pretty good battle. Garcia will have moments. But eventually, Tank will make this Tiananmen Square. I think he runs him over late. Uh, Jacob Martin. Steve, what are your thoughts on Dak versus Jalen Hurts? Who's got the better chance of winning? Well, look, football's a team game. And I actually came away thinking a couple of weeks ago when Gardner Minshew was the backup quarterback that Philadelphia actually outplayed Dallas for a good portion of that game. And if they don't turn the ball over as much, they win it in Dallas. When Jalen Hurts is healthy, they have the ability with his legs to move the chains, extend drives, rest the defense. And look, I think Jalen Hurts the last couple of weeks in his absence has shown that maybe he truly is this year's MVP. And if Philadelphia can retain that home field advantage, I think the only team that can beat them, and me and Coach JB have talked about things, this is the San Francisco 49ers, although I know Coach does not have <laughs> an opinion of that team or of Brock Purdy. Uh, let me see. Ron, oh, this is a very good question from the boxing room. Steve, is Julian Jackson the hardest puncher ever, in your opinion? Ah, oh, the hawk. Julian Jackson, one of the great box uh, high top fades of the 90s, by the way. He had that cut real nice. Julian Jackson, in my view, if you did a rating of hardest middleweights and pound-for-pound -pound punchers, he certainly is in a very, very elite class. I don't know how you really quantify it, but if you look at his prime and look at the way he got rid of guys and the way he could just rattle the cage with single punches that could bail him out against guys like Harold Graham, and then is I think his most seminal moment, guys, I'll never forget watching this. A young man by the name of Terry Norris ended up being a great fighter. I remember Terry Norris's first title shot. I think it was in 1989. It was in Florida. It was on ABC. Terry Norris for one round. He looked like a combination of Sugar Ray Robinson mixed in with a little bit of Ray Leonard. And you're thinking, oh, boy, Julian's going to have issues. But then in round number two, he dropped his hands all up along the ropes, and Julian Jackson landed an absolute bomb. And the soul went out of terrible Terry Norris. So uh, I, too, believe the Hawk is truly one of the hardest punchers ever in the history of the sport. Thank you for that. Uh, Sean O'Connell, Steve, do you think Duke football is a legit ACC title contender with Mike Elko at the helm? Sean, 
those Dukies ran my guys, the Miami Hurricanes, out of the building at Hard Rock. And Mike Elko, I think, won nine games in his first year. And they have a very, very good quarterback. in uh, Riley Leonard, I believe is his name. Very athletic. That was the best job of coaching in the ACC. And he's got that thing in the right direction. The ACC is interesting. Clemson, I think, is still going to be really good. Okay, they're still the top dog. Hate to say it, Florida State, Norvell has that thing going on in the right direction. Jordan Travis has turned into a premier college quarterback. Not saying NFL prospect, NFL quarterback. UNC, now that they're able to stave off all the poachers for Drake May, I think they're going to be a contender. I think Miami, we're probably another year or two away. I don't know what's going to go on with that coordinator situation. Duke should be in the upper echelon of the ACC, which still, quite frankly, is not what I would consider an elite conference yet. But thumbs up to Mike Elko. Hell of a job that he did. Oh, Chaz. Chaz is right up my uh, my alley. Best Miami Hurricanes running back of the 2000s. You know what? I'm going to include Edger and James because he really began that run. Him and James Jackson in 96. Then all the way up to about 2003, uh, from that point on, you had guys like Frank Gore, Najee Davenport, who could have been a monster except for his knee, uh, and then Willis McGahee, who personally, I think, was as physically gifted as anybody. And then you had the uh, peerless Frank Gore, who unfortunately, I don't know if you guys realize this, we always saw Frank Gore, most of the world, at about 75%. He was never really quite the same guy after his knee injury right before his sophomore year. That, that guy could have been a Barry Sanders-level-like talent but he's still going to end up in the Hall of Fame. So out of that run from 98 to 2003, which were led by a great running back coach, a gentleman that I know, the Sarge, Don Solinger. What a great football man. I love talking ball with him when I can. I'm going to go with Edron James. He's the most complete running back. Because if you look at hands and pass pro, that guy was like another offensive lineman. And the vision, shoulder pad lean, and the ability to get low. And I was actually at that UCLA game in 1998. He had 299 yards as he knocked Cade McNown and Danny Farmer and Deshaun Foster out of the national title game. I, I, my view, the edge is the most complete running back out of those guys and well-deserved going into the Hall of Fame. And I know someone said Duke Johnson, but Duke came a little bit later. But Duke is probably the best Miami Hurricane of the past decade. I still understand why I didn't have a job this year. Um, let me see. Craig Greenwood. Steve, what do you think of Caden McNamara and Deacon Hill joining the Iowa Hawkeyes football program? Craig, I think Cade's a little bit underrated. I thought it was interesting that after being a serviceable, solid guy, not spectacular, in leading Michigan to the playoffs last year, was effectively jettisoned for a hot shot J.J. McCarthy. He was up and down. He's going to fit. He will do a good job there. I, I want to know what in the world, though, are they going to do offensively at Iowa? Uh, I think a lot of Iowa fans are probably disgruntled and wondering why there's not nepotism laws over their offensive coordinator and their head coach. Um, he will be an upgrade, but again, you got to get a system. And you have to have some players. But I think it's going to be really strange if Iowa and Michigan play next year. Uh, a lot of storylines surrounding that. Uh, Matt Welch, was Mel Bratton the baddest running back of the 80s? By the way, I'm a little bit biased. I know Melvin very well. 
Mel was another guy that could have had a great NFL career. Unfortunately, his last game at Miami tore up his knee in the 88 Orange Bowl. Him and Alonzo Highsmith, they really stand out. I thought they were a great backfield. We ran split backs in the pro style. Mel Bratton was unbelievable. Certainly, I think, one of the top 25, 30 Miami Hurricanes of all time. But unfortunately, because he did not have that NFL career, um, it's kind of forgotten about. But great hands, great feet, great vision, and he had good size. So thumbs up to old number five. Let's see what else is going on here. Uh, David LaFleur, Gore got hurt too much at the U. You know, David, I'd like to argue with you, but facts are facts. He actually missed his sophomore year, I believe. 2003 and 2004 i think in 2003 he injured his other knee so yeah i i facts are facts it is what it is uh here's another one um shadow combat thoughts on Demetrius andre's recent comments on canelo yeah this is gonna be a tough one Demetrius andre is a talented guy but here are the facts he has not had a really good victory which is against vanez martirosian 10 years ago when you go a decade in between solid wins, that's a bit of an issue. Has Demetrius Andre been a victim of today's boxing system and climate? You can make an argument for that. But he himself has been his own worst enemy with some of these decisions he's made. Going back to backing out of a fight against one of the Charlo brothers, I believe in 2014, to go with Rock Nation, which was a which tried to get into boxing. And for Demetrius Andre, uh, roll the drum, uh, the drum shot. It's been a hard knock life, but he's made some money. He's won some titles, but it's very unfulfilling. And here's a guy, he's turned down title shots recently. Uh, and he could have fought Zach Parker. Now he's going to be an undercard bout on a pay-per-view against Damon Nicholson. I just don't get the sense that he's maximized his potential. Uh, from Ty, where do you rank Andre Ward all time. Okay. Andre Ward as a super middleweight, I think it's top 10. The issue I have with Andre is he didn't have a lot of fights. And with modern day fighters, if you don't have at least 40 fighters, I just cannot rate you among the all time best. Now, on a fight to fight basis, do I believe that he can make life difficult for everybody? Yes, because he's got an incredibly high boxing IQ, technically sound. And, and when it comes to super middleweight, he's probably in that Mount Rushmore. But I don't think quite as high as guys like Joe Calzaghe, certainly not Roy Jones, and a prime uh, James Lights Out Tony, a personal favorite of mine. Here's one from MC Robinson. Jesse Armstead almost went to jail in 1988 in high school. Um, MC Robinson, I think you're referring to the Dallas Carter team which after being one of the best teams in high school football that year, there's actually a 30 for 30 on it. Uh, certain guys basically ruined their careers. Uh, Armstead was not one of them. He was not into that mess. And in fact, he was the number one player in the country and he was recruited by Jimmy Johnson. And he was part of that last recruiting class before Jimmy went on to make history with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah, what, what Carter lost, absolutely. And one of his teammates was actually Clifton Abraham, who was a very good cornerback at Florida State. Pat Beaks, or Pat Breaks. Where does Derek Carr end up next season? Okay. Derek used Carr. This is an interesting one. 
I don't think he's quite as bad as Coach JB says, although JB assuaded me that this year is the breaking point. They, they had to turn in that car. It was time for the trade-in. And I have this question, though. If you're a Jets fan, knowing that if you only get just average to pretty good to somewhat mediocre quarterback play this season with that defense, you could probably make the playoffs. You'd probably be standing at about 10 or 11 victories, right? If the price is right, and again, I don't know this yet. I'm not an NFL insider. If you're a team like the Jets that needs a stopgap, because to me, the MILF hunter, you got to get rid of him. I think he's a bust. He was overdrafted. And I just don't see how Coach Salah can go out there and say that's my starter for 2023 and beyond. Let's see what other guy. Uh, Beyond Ghost, this is a very interesting question. Do you think Justin Jefferson is better than Randy Moss? No. And and I know the stats are going to say that Jefferson is a more productive receiver. You have to understand one thing about receiving and passing stats today. They're completely inflated. It's basically, I don't want to say glorified seven on seven, but in many ways it is. Think about what Randy Moss would do in today's game where you can't hit anybody. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Randy Moss was a complete receiver. There are times that he dogged it. Um, but his ability to get vertical and his ability to take the top off the defense consistently is as good as any receiver I've ever seen. Now, I want to make that clear. That doesn't make him the greatest receiver. To me, that is still Jesus and cleats, as Michael Irvin called him. That'd be Jerry Rice. But Justin Jefferson is a better technician, perhaps a better pure route runner, but I don't think he's that every down threat where you're absolutely frightened as a defensive coordinator by his presence. Jefferson is great, and he may end up having a better career with more numbers, but again, keep in mind the era of football and the style of play today. Uh, Let me see what else is going on here. Brian Case, is Floyd the best pound-for-pound boxer ever? No. He's the best of this generation. But let me make the argument against Floyd. Number one, he didn't have that many fights compared to other guys. Again, I think it's very difficult to compare eras. I'll repeat myself. Floyd is the most accomplished and best boxer of this modern generation. I covered much of Floyd's career. But do I believe that he's as good as a Ray Leonard? No. And I was there that night in 2002. I thought Jose Luis Castillo beat him in the first fight. And there's a lot of people that believe that Marcos Maidana may have beaten him in their original matchup. Although I thought Floyd won that one. But Floyd also got to benefit from an era where specifically after the first Castillo fight, he became very careful in his matchmaking. And and at least in the Older generations, guys fought more often, and they couldn't avoid guys as much. So the gauntlet back then, going all the way up to the 70s, 80s, and even 90s, was much more difficult than it is now. But Floyd, Floyd was a brilliant talent. He's still one of the most special prize fighters I've ever seen live. I was there ringside when he won his first title. In 1998, it was at the Hilton in Las Vegas. He just absolutely blew out a very accomplished boxer in Gennaro Chicanito Hernandez. 
And what he did to Diego Chico Corrales in 2000, I said to this day, it's one of the three or four best performances I have ever seen live ringside. Uh, MC Robinson, I thought Pac-Man beat Floyd. MC, you might be the only one. And, and look, I'm much more of a Pacquiao guy than Mayweather. Here's my view on this. And I, I get a lot of heat. And me and Mario Lopez argue about this a lot. Manny Pacquiao sold out that fight. When he came into that particular event with the shoulder injury, and he kind of treated that like a sparring session because he wanted to get paid. Um, in the immortal words of Herman Edwards, he didn't play to win the game. Hello, he just came to get paid. And I remember watching that broadcast and, and at the post-fight interview, the first thing he said was, oh, you know, I want to thank the people of the Philippines, but uh, I injured my shoulder. I was like, oh, my God. I, I kind of lost a little respect for Manny at that point, that he could have made history. I believe that fight would have been rescheduled with the money on the line because, let's be honest, Floyd Mayweather was not turning down a half million dollars. And I do remember walking into the wild card gym that following Monday, how disappointed Freddie Roach was that they didn't cancel the fight. And as Freddie was there at the front desk, I come in with my gym bag and I say, Freddie, tough luck. Freddie said to me, Steve, I was the only one that wanted that fight canceled because I Freddie wanted that victory because he understood the historical impact that it had on his own legacy and what it meant to the sport of boxing. So, We'll go there. Uh, let me see. Brian Case, Floyd is from my hometown, Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's why I asked. And Brian, don't forget, one of my favorite fighters is also from there, Floyd's uncle, the Black Mamba. Yeah, no, and that is not that that is not Kobe Bryant's name. Nickname, I'm sorry, it's not. That's Roger Mayweather, who had an electric right hand. Uh, I'll say this about Roger. Roger had some discipline issues personal issues. He was a much more exciting fighter than his nephew was. If, if, if all things being equal, you said, Steve, you have money to spend on a Roger Mayweather fight or a Floyd Mayweather fight, especially the one of the past 10 years. For my money, I would much rather have the Mamba, have my dollar spent on him. And I remember growing up in the 80s, uh, late 80s, Roger Mayweather had a great shtick where he called himself the Mexican assassin. And he fought all these Mexicans at the LA Sports Arena, Olympic Auditorium. And he really played into it like a wrestling villain where he'd start wearing a sombrero and a zarape. And the blacks, uh, the blacks loved it because their guy was winning. And the Mexicans, they loved to hate Roger, but they began to kind of like get into it. And then finally... The great Julio Cesar Chavez, the great JC superstar, 1989 at the Forum. It was on HBO. Finally, a Mexican beat Mamba, and it was a great scene. Mamba got kind of beat up, and he kind of quit on his stool in the 10th round. But it was great theater, and it was all in great fun. But rest in peace to Roger Mayweather, one of my favorite fighters of the 80s that I grew up watching on a lot of top-ranked shows. Uh, let me see. Uh... Let me see. Okay, Freddie Mac, 916. This is a great question. This is something I talk about often. Why does boxing take so long to make the fights the fans want to see or they don't make them at all? And I think you're talking about Terrence Crawford against Errol Spence, which is a, a complete failure and a systemic breakdown of the boxing landscape. The reason why is boxing is too fractured. 
remember back in the 80s, and, and again, I kind of stopped watching wrestling in the mid-80s when Roddy Piper turned into a babyface. But when you had the WWF and the WCW and the NWA, and you had all these federations, so Ric Flair could never share the ring with Hulk Hogan because they were on competing networks and, and no one was going to work with each other. In short, that is what has happened to boxing. And at least in the past, when they were arch rivals who wanted to kill each other, like Tom and Jerry, spy versus spy, Bob Arum, Don King, and main events led by the Dubas, when they had to, they would all break bread. Unfortunately, the last, I would say, 15 years, there have been so many rivalries where nobody wanted to work with each other. In fact, I've called it the Boxing Cold War. It has not been good for the sport, and in many respects, to keep fighters on a certain platform and for the exclusivity that they want, you've had to overpay fighters. So then it makes it economically not as feasible as it should be to make the fights. Think about this, guys. When Oscar De La Hoya and Felix Trinidad fought as undefeated fighters who were very popular in 1999, they were 26-year-old each. When Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns fought for that first time, what a magnificent battle it was in 1981 at the Caesars Palace. They were basically 25, Leonard, and, and Hearns was 23. So they were right in the thick of their physical primes, right? Crawford and Spence next year will be 35 and 33, I believe. It's very close to becoming spoiled milk, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let me see. Uh, Ron, goddamn, Steve. Coach has you working overtime. You know, Ron, I'm an Asian. We're used to sweatshops. What can I say? Uh, here's another one. Uh, let me see. Paul Sh Shalmo, marvelous Marvin Hagler was great. Paul agreed. I believe he's on the Mount Rushmore of middleweights. He's my personal favorite growing up as a kid. He just looked like a fighter. The shaved head, the chiseled body, his mentality. Uh, I'm, I bought a couple of books recently on Amazon to brush up on my marvelous Marvin Nathaniel Hagler knowledge. For all of you out there who have not seen it, the Legendary Night series, which is on HBO, YouTube it. Go to the Hagler Hearns uh, episode. That's my personal favorite. That's probably the best three-round fight in the history of the sport. But marvelous Marvin Hagler, to me, symbolized what a boxer should be, how they should look, how they should act, and how they should fight. Uh, very sad day in my life in March of 2021 when he suddenly passed. I, I feel a part of my childhood evaporated when I heard that news. And yeah, I don't think I'll ever quite get over it because it's one of the few boxers that I really wanted to meet that I did not. But the rest in peace to the great Hagler. And yes, he absolutely was great. Shadow Combat, that thoughts on Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay, I'm going to say something controversial here. Take away Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I believe on his longevity and his consistency with greatness is the greatest big man ever. Played 20 years, 18 of them, he was basically all-star level or dominant. Number two, I don't have Russell or Chamberlain or Shaq. I have the dream. Yes, I have a dream, like Martha Luther, Steve Kim. Yes, I have a dream because his ability to play on both sides of the floor, his ability to post up and make people better 
and run the offense through him. Forget the dream shake and all that other stuff he did. But in those championship years, what he did to elevate a lot of pretty good to solid role players into back-to-back titles, and I, I get it. There was a certain guy to Chicago that was playing baseball. I get it. But he was magnificent. And you look at how many years he led the league when it was a big man's league with blocks and rebounds is amazing. I don't think people talk about his all-time greatness. If I did an all-time NBA team, I had to pick 12 guys. He may not be a starter. He would be on that squad. And, and people say, how would he do in the modern game? He would destroy people in the modern game. Could you imagine with the spread out floor, him into that post, what he would do to people? And his ability to play the high screen role and to blitz it or either hedge it and get back and block shots and protect the rim. Greatest feat ever for a big man, his athleticism. And the way he absolutely killed David Robinson in his MVP year in 94-95, that should be hung up on the Smithsonian, what he did to the Admiral. Who, by the way, Hall of Famer himself, a lot of respect for him. Uh, let me see what else is going on. Um, for show 85, how did you and Whitlock link up? That's a very interesting question. I had not really known Whitlock for a while. It's not like we're lifelong friends. We've only really had, uh, I would say, a somewhat close relationship for about two, three years. But throughout the years, we had followed each other on Twitter. We had a few random uh, text exchange messages and this is where the first time I really met him. Remember, remember Lynn Sanity? Remember Lynn Sanity for that month where he was the greatest basketball player on earth? And he made a joke where he said that some lucky lady with, with Jeremy Lynn's going to get the greatest three minutes of her life. So you know what he's referring to. By the way, stereotypes, not true. But anyway, he got a lot of heat for it, and he apologized. And I, and I DM'd. Jason and I said, Jason, I'm Asian. It's a joke. It, it is what it is. I we I personally don't think whining about stuff like that is good for any culture. Not a fan of it. We should be allowed to joke and laugh at one another and have fun. And by the way, even if it was with malicious intent, which it was not, how does that really hurt me as an individually? And how does that hurt us collectively? It doesn't. Because that next morning when the sun rises up, we still have to open up our dry cleaners and our liquor store. That's the reality. Life goes on. And Jason said, Steve, it was out of line. I shouldn't have said it. So that's where it kind of began. And then last August, August of 2021, me and Jason had been exchanging more messages. I give him, you know, thoughts about the show that he was doing as he just got the blaze. And finally, one day he said, Steve, I need a guest to come on. Do you have a few minutes? So this is in about in August of last year. So that's about, what, 14, 15, 16 months ago. And after my first segment, he calls me back about a minute after the show, and he goes, holy sh Steve, can you become a regular? I'll pay you. I got to get you on this show. And I said, yeah. And that's really the genesis of the relationship I had with Jason as a professional colleague on The Blaze. Let me see. Um, what else is going on here? I'm kind of looking up. Thought he said three inches. You know what, Mooch? He did say three inches. Lies, I say. Lies, Mooch. Three inches, my ass. Anyway. Um, let me see. Hey, what's going on? Are we talking about penis size now? Well, yeah, but how mine's so big, I can't talk about it. Like you and you and Salisbury a couple nights ago. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> hey, what's uh 
Man, I got Dan Dockett over here live on, on in, in, in the Cigar Lounge. You're going to get to see this weekend. Hopefully, I can't wait. I oh, hope it's a sunny day. Is it going to be raining this weekend? It don't oh, matter. I don't think the sun's coming out now. I don't, I don't think, see the sun right here. I don't think it's going to rain. One last question. This is from Chris Schneider. Do you mess BSPN? Chris, no, I no, I do not. And I, and I explained this to a Coach when I first met him at his house about six weeks ago. ESPN is a great opportunity, but I learned really early on after my years of being an independent journalist that I enjoyed my freedom and I enjoyed saying what I wanted to say and not being pressured into having cultural or political leanings or thoughts. And I made that decision um, right around my second and last year there that I'm not doing this. I don't care how much you pay me that you're, you're paying me. Okay. I'm making a good living, but my, Ability to have my own free independent thoughts is priceless. And this is a lesson for everyone out there that's a lot younger, that if you love your job, you never really work a day in your life. And for the first time at ESPN, I started to hate the job. I really did. And I, I started counting down the days. And I will say this, if you got to have a little bit of faith and balls, because since leaving ESPN, I believe I've had more opportunities. I've had more fun and I'm making more money for a lot less hours. So keep that in mind. Have some balls and have some faith, and you can do some great things in your life. Anyway, Coach, back to you. It's your show, by the way. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you coming on. You got a few minutes? Yeah. You know, by the way, if you're Dan Marino, I'm like the Korean Don Strock, man. I just came in, backed up, throwing the ball around, you know, Don Strock. Yeah, now, there was a backup quarterback. Hold on one second. <laughs> yeah. Right, Don Strzok, I haven't heard that name in a while. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Oh, Brockhead81. Hamlin breathing on his own. Rock, absolutely. And oh, yeah. he, he just had a live Zoom with the entire team. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so. Hey, so now we can maybe talk about Peyton Hillis. So Peyton Hillis now can maybe hit the news. I don't know. Well, hey, let me ask you something. Yeah. Have you ever been, have you ever seen such a, it's, it's an interesting topic nobody really talks about. We give everyone a trophy now. We want to give everybody a trophy. We're talking about Belichick and Tomlin, both at eight and eight, as doing a great job this year. I think that the guys that actually win, Steve, are getting under are underappreciated over for the guy that is mediocre. Because I believe mediocrity is the new excellence in the oh, world. Oh well, JB, that's called the Phil Jackson syndrome, or the Pat Riley syndrome. Because they were expected to win. Now, let me go back a little bit. But Sirianni ain't expected to win. And he's no, I agree. I believe he's under, getting undervalued. But he's getting he, see, he's getting punished for having an incredible roster. And I see this a lot. But, see, here's the thing, Coach. Let's go back to what you said about Belichick and Tomlin. Coach, I think Tomlin's done a much better job than Belichick. Me too. I'm a Belichick guy. Trust me. I'm not one of those people that hate the hoodie. But that offensive staff that he has compiled He's and, what they've, for and what they've done to Matt Jones in his second year deserves criticism. To get Matt Patricia, a career defensive coach, who in the world said that guy, that guy's going to be my offensive coach? No. No. I, I actually think Bill Belichick has done one of his worst jobs, regardless. while at the same time, with that same record based on expectations and what the hand that they were dealt, I'm with you. I think Tomlin's done an excellent job of writing that ship and bringing some stability 
back to that organization where you're thinking, you know what? We surround Kenny Pickett and his small hands with some weapons. We might win some games. But, Coach, that's the thing because you've done it. What is harder to maintain, that Nick Saban level of dominance over a decade or the guy that has to scratch and claw every year for seven, eight wins? Which is actually – they're both pretty difficult in their own way. It, it, it's a it's a year-to-year thing, man. Like, like the year we won it all on Netflix with having those lights, camera action in your face every day probably was a daunting task. I, now that I look back at it, I'm right. like, shit, I don't know how I got that done, right? <laughs> and then the next year, right. we have an equal or better team on roster, sent 45 guys D1 the next year, and we go 2-8. and eight. And we're clawing and scrapping and fighting because I have a bad nucleus. Every year presents a different obstacle and set of problems, I think. And in the NFL now, Steve, I don't know where I stand on an 8-8 eight and eight Belichick versus a Sirianni who's winning and doing what we, we, don't, we don't always expect now from a guy that we all thought was a weirdo when he took the podium as a, as a first-year head coach. Uh, just two years ago, and now he's proven he's winning games, and he's yeah. all he's doing is winning. Um, I don't know where I stand now because the NFL is free agency without a return, and it is what college football is now. And I don't know if there is any more New England Patriots, Tom Brady eras left. I don't think there's any more 16, 17, and one seasons to be had. I think it's over. I think free agency, it's, it's a market-driven league. The market's been set so high that these guys are now waiting to go to the next city, to the next team, whoever has the biggest paycheck. And the teams that are legacy-driven are never going to be again. And I don't know how I feel about it because now I have to take that in consideration on how I gauge you as a coach and the job that you're doing. And unfortunately, you know, the coaches are the uh, sacrificial lambs in this thing. And eventually, if Belichick don't start winning again, he'll probably be fired too. In my view, Coach, it used to be that you had to win three or four Super Bowls within a six, seven-year stretch to be considered a dynasty. Nowadays, if you're going to win two within that same span, that's probably going to be considered a run. Um, The Belichick thing is interesting because I don't think there's ever been a sustained run as good as this. But it's, it's been stunning to me, Coach, and we talked about this, Bill Belichick probably is one of the greatest clock-managing game situational coaches of all time. But this year, that team's football IQ has been alarmingly low. And they've they've lost games with little things. It's not the big things. It's the little things. I'm like, God, the Sirianni, I got to give him credit because nobody thought coming out two, three years ago that Jalen Hurts was a franchise surefire frontline quarterback. And there's a chance that if Hertz doesn't get hurt, they're probably a 14 win team, 15 win team. And they're, but they've assembled but an unbelievable roster on both sides of the ball. But yeah, coach of the year, like in the NBA. Um, yeah. You could say Phil Jackson had the best teams every year. Cause when you have Pippen and Jordan and Shaq and Kobe, you know what? That should be an easy job. But to sustain that where they're wanting multiple titles, they did three-peats, right, multiple times with Phil Jackson, that in itself, to not let complacency kick in 
or to be able to see the trees to the forest of, hey, I'm going to let these guys have a bad game, especially in a grind like 82 seasons. It is interesting. Like, how do we really define coach of the year? Is it getting the most out of your talent or is it being, being able to manage elite talent? Because that's never really given credit. How do you manage elite talent over the long haul? Doc has just asked me this on, on his show uh, a couple minutes ago. I said, he said, how do you, how do you, one word or a sentence, how do you sum up the NFL? And I said, shitty. I said, the NFL is <laughs> horrible. I said, I said, I don't believe we, we really understand how bad and watered down football is in totality. And guess what? People think that it is great. And I'm like, no, it's not. Well, coach. Steve, what we hear all the time is what? Equality now, right? Yeah. It's equality. College football, uh, 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 Appalachian State beating Texas A&M, it's equality now. No, it's not. If you think Appalachian State beating Texas A&M is good football, then you don't know nothing. You don't know anything about football. Football is not supposed to be equal. You're supposed to have teams that know how to play football, and the transfer portal has created this watered down anyone can beat anyone it is the ncaa basketball tournament march madness now at the football level and when golf when florida golf coast or whatever beat uconn um everybody you know that's that happens that's happened in, in college basketball for since i was a young kid right we've had the villanovas and we've had the nc states and 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 those type of cinderella stories before but football, never, never, and now yeah. it's happening. At Although, all. you got, I give App State credit though. Since they beat Michigan at the Big House in two thousand seven, but they were FCS school then. Yeah, but they've actually battled P five teams pretty tough. Well, then they then they got the the resource to go yeah. and one. I would say the word is diluted and. I think I read stories once in a while how the NFL wants to expand and add teams in like foreign countries. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you don't think 32 teams is enough. First of all, your quarterback play with added teams, you think it's bad now, coach coach, you're going to go nuts. Let's say you go to 36 teams. Like you put a team in Mexico, put a team in London, put a team in Timbuktu, put a team in Antarctica. There's not four more there? starting quarterbacks. Who wants to travel there? Who wants to play there? Us. Coach, it is one thing to be in the World Football League and to play in Amsterdam in April because you're, you're a developmental player like Kurt Warner. I get it. But if, and if I'm an American-bred, born-and-bred player, and my dream is to play in the National Football League, everyone grew up thinking, man, I can't wait to play for the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers. No one says, man, I can't wait to play for the Germany uh, – uh, uh, rough riders, rough riders are the sports cars and live in Germany. What really, really, that's your dream that you want to play European national football. I, I, but the, the dilution is real, it is. And and uh, I just look at the quarterback play, you've opened my eyes over how bad it is because I see so many games and no one talks about this. This is still the most important analytical data of any quarterback in my view outside of interceptions and touchdowns is yards per passing attempt. That thing was valid 50 years ago. It'll be valid 50 years from now. I see so many games 
where that someone will say, oh, and he threw for 350 yards. And like, okay, well, he had 58 attempts. I mean, that that's the very definition of empty calories. If you throw the ball more than 40 times, first of all, that's a recipe for disaster generally. But also, you should have at least 400 yards if you're throwing 40 times. But I see a lot of games now where, where quarterbacks are throwing 35, 40, 45 times, and they're barely at 300 yards. That that You must be dinking and dunking and being checked down Charlie for all four quarters at that point. Let me ask you this take. Let me get let me get some. We're going to talk about this Sunday in person, but let me ask you this: uh, the NBA is at an all-time scoring high right now. Um, in just the last five years, it's gone up from averaging 99 points a game per NBA team to 114 points a game per NBA team. Three-point shooting is at all-time highs. Individual scoring is at all-time high. I think there's 20 guys right now either scoring 30 points a game yeah. or at 29 points a game. Like LeBron's at 29. Um, at age 59. Yeah. <laughs> where, do you, where do you attest this? Like, oh, I have my theory. Like, it's tempo. You know Coach. I love pounding the soft pussy fucking era. Coach, and before you say that, football is also at an all-time high in scoring, all-time high in completion percentage from these shitty quarterbacks, by the way, yeah. because they're throwing 50% of the footballs at or behind the line of scrimmage. Nobody wants to talk about, but we have these. Joe Namath won an MVP. He was 55% yeah. completion percentage, and you know what? He threw the ball every time across the fucking line of scrimmage. Coach, I, I, when people bring up John Elway stats to rip him, I, I, I literally, it's, it, it boggles the mind. I'm just telling you, folks, John Elway, to this day, still is the greatest quarterback prospect ever. He really is. Talk to people that have scouted. They'll tell you he's still the best prospect. He's the only guy to ever get like a 10. Him and Bo Jackson, I think. If you allowed guys like Staubach, Namath, Bradshaw, Montana to throw 12 bubble screens, or smoke screens a game, they'd throw for 75%. First of all, they'd be pissed, too, at you. Yeah. They want to and, throw the ball in the teeth of the defense. They want to throw the ball on dig routes and post right. and comebacks. And you look, there, there's an old phrase, and I think it was from Ben Franklin, great American, good old Ben, right? Flying kites, creating electricity, or was that Thomas Edison, whatever. But Ben Franklin once said, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. So in today's NFL and NBA, I'm going to draw this parallel. Look at the receivers. Michael Irvin says it all the time. When I played, when I went across the middle and I ran that bang eight, I had my head on a swivel because I knew I could get killed. Like I knew that there was going to be, nowadays, these guys run free. You're really not, you know, it's actually a penalty nowadays to hit too hard. It is. Because I see some of these penalties and it's all about the optics. It looked too violent. It was too vicious. James Harrison would have no place in today's game. They were already trying to run him out halfway through his career. Keith Bullard. Right. So it's so Bullard. easy now to amass a plays in the middle of the field and run certain routes. In the National Basketball Association, there used to be a time, especially during the playoffs, if you came through that paint, you were going to get hit across the mouth. You can't do that anymore. The game in basketball now is all about spread. It's all about tempo. It's all about three-point shots. 
I, I absolutely mean this. No hyperbole. If Michael Jordan wanted to, if he really felt like it, he could probably score 45 to 50 points a game. And there'd probably be games he'd go 70 and 80 if he really felt like it. I, I got to address these guys in the crowd here because I try to – so everyone knows they took a trigger word and ran with it here in the chat here, Steve. I just said the last five years, the NBA scoring has gone up. Well, listen, I am trying to make sure that I am uh, talking to the audience at hand, okay? I don't believe too many of you go back to 85 and date back then. So if we want to talk about basketball, I do understand the NBA averaged a lot of points back in the 80s. There used to be 165, 160 games yeah. when Steve and I used to walk. We used to watch. That's when basketball was actually good and no fouls were called. And there was 160-point games to 155 in the playoffs back in the day between the Celtics and the Hawks and the Sixers and the Knicks. The they Nuggets. They would score a lot. I'm not saying. So I didn't go back that far. All I'm talking about is in this era right now, the scoring has gone up in just the last five years. Basketball has deteriorated. And back in the day when we scored that many points, basketball was good in total. It was good in total, and there was no BS fouls. And by the way, there was no zone defense allowed. It was called illegal defense. So you had to play man. Nowadays, there's zone defense allowed, and every single fucking thing is a, is a review for a flagrant one. Oh, coach. I'll tell you how much the game has changed. I, I brought this up to Whitlock uh, a couple months ago. As a Laker fan, I am still bothered by the 84 finals. The Lakers should have swept that series. We blew it in seven. But the series changed in game four. Lakers go on a transition. Kurt Rambis goes up for a layup. And that dastardly Kevin McHale literally does a flying clothesline. I mean, it was the most vicious thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. A flying clothesline, a big fight breaks out. The Lakers never really regained their mojo. They lost something because the Celtics took physical control of that series. But that foul nowadays would get you arrested. Oh, yeah. You know what they did in that game? They said, all right, everyone, get back to your bench. Uh, two free throws. That was it. It was not a flagrant one, a flagrant two. It was not a misdemeanor. It was not assault and batter. They just basically told Rambis, hey, Kurt, you good? Okay, here you go. Two free throws. That's how – and if you watch the uh, – I'm sure you watched the last dance, the 30 for 30. The stuff Jordan went through against the bad boys with Sally, Mahorn, Lane Beer, James Buda, Edwards. Celtics teams back then, Dennis Johnson, and they used to beat him up. Uh, yeah. Remember they had Ed Pickney? He used to beat your ass up. They had, look, men like Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley. Maybe they don't fit in today's game. I will say this. They would scare the shit out of everyone today. I will guarantee you. Any, none of these guys today would even try to pretend to be a tough guy against these guys. These, these, these were men. Uh, LeBron wouldn't even be in the league, man. He'd be fucking... LeBron can't shoot well enough to, to go well, in there. I think LeBron's a good – he's become a, a really good shooter. But LeBron, going across the paint, it, it, you, they've legislated the physical nature and the hard foul out of the sport. Now, look, I'll say this, Coach. Post – in that Jordan era, the second 3 Pete, going all the way back for years, a lot of those games – 
I'm not going to lie to you. We're like in the seventies and eighties. They were tough to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. I think they, they were like, Oh man, now it's swung too much. The pendulum in the other directions. Like, okay, can someone hit somebody? Can somebody hit somebody? But today's NBA, I just, I don't like it. I like, I remember when the all-star game used to be the best all-star game out of any of them. Even the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl used yes. to be good, believe yes. it or not. Yes, yes. Now it, it's unwatchable to a point. They've gotten rid of the Pro Bowl. What a damn shame. What a damn LeBron, shame. LeBron cannot. See, everyone wants to say LeBron could play in any era. Athletically, he could. But yes, not, no not. doubt. He can't shoot well enough, and he can't shoot free throws well enough. So you would put him at the line every time you clothesline him, and he would have to get up from that shit like Jordan and them had to do. And there's no fighting now, so he would not do the same thing. That's why I think Kobe could have played in any era. You know what I love? You guys that could have played in any era. You know what I love? I also hear this. To this generation. I mean, Steve, put a put a Larry Bird in this fucking. Game. I was about to bring that up, Coach. Dude, it hurts my nerve when I hear people say Larry Bird could not play today. And I say, really, like Luka Doncic, like, 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 right? I mean, Larry, this is what people do not understand about Larry Joe Bird. Because they didn't see it, Steve, and they think they know all No, things. because he's white. No. He's also white. Let's, let's just get that elephant out because he's a white guy. Slow. Why would jump this high? What people do not understand about Larry Joe Bird is actually how tall and big he is. He's actually closer to 6'10 than 6'8. I saw him and Magic standing next to each other one time. He was legitimately an inch or two taller than Magic, who was 6'8. There was a time when before his back gave out, when he was a three-time MVP consecutive years, where whenever he shot the ball, you didn't feel like it was ever going to miss. And his first step was actually sneaky fast. And that's the cat and mouse game that if you played up on him, he could actually get past you. And contrary to popular belief, he could actually finish at the rim hard if he wanted to and had to. And he had a basketball IQ of 500. And his release point was really high. So if you, so my point is, if you don't, if you think Dirk Nowitzki was pretty good, and he was, when an all-time great, Bird was much better. And he was an unbelievable rebounder who was tough. He never backed down from anybody. And he had one of the funniest lines of all time. He actually um, took it as an insult if the opposing coach would guard him with the white guy. Yeah. And he literally would tell guys, because yeah. you're guarding me today as a white guy. He goes, uh, you guys are insulting me. I'm going to put up. There was, there was a game one time where he said, I'm going to score like 30 points left-handed. He actually did it. I know. And and I want to let those you know, youngins know that think Larry Bird played in the olden days. Uh, there are a lot of great black players too during the eighties. Trust me, Bird could play in any era. He truly is one of the all-time greats. And Brian Brian Martinez, who 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 he swings from LeBron's nuts. He said that uh, LeBron can't shoot, but he's he's going to be the number one scorer of all time. Just so we're clear, just because of you understand, scoring and shooting are two completely different fucking things, right? I just want to be clear. You can't score and be a horrible shooter. Kobe could do both. Steph Curry could do both. I will say this about LeBron. There's not Great a lot of floor balls. vision. Great floor vision. More athletic version of Magic Johnson, in my view. Look, he has skills. He, he's got some range. 
Um, his mid-range game once in a while will will leave him. I'm not doubting Le- Le- LeBron, but I just, to me, Michael Jordan is the greatest player who ever lived. I still recall an interview with Bobby Knight. Now, the general, Robert Montgomery Knight, he hated the NBA, never watched it. But he said at age 21, this is after he coached him in the 84 Olympics. I think it was during the camps. This is how good of an eye Bobby Knight had. Bobby Knight, that's the greatest basketball player ever. I'd be like, well, what do you mean? He had not played an NBA game. They they said, Bobby, are you serious? They said, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen a guy with his fundamental skills, with that athleticism. And he said, his competitive spirit is unbelievable. He goes, I cannot tell you how much I think of Michael Jordan. And years later, I saw this clip where he's on a David Letterman show, and they're talking about different things. And they they talked about Jordan. And Bobby Knight goes, let me just tell you about Michael Jordan, because I don't watch the NBA. But when Michael Jordan's on, I actually watched the NBA. And he goes, there's been three all-time great athletes in my life, he said. There's Babe Ruth, there's Jack Nicklaus, because they're both Ohio State guys. He goes, and Michael Jordan. When Bobby Knight gives you a a, a credit and a compliment, I think that meant the world. But I'm just telling you, Jordan at his peak, I don't think there's ever been a guy that skilled, that good, that dominant. I'm a Kobe guy. I think Kobe's the best ever. I think he's. Oh, no. Hey, Kobe mimicked. Kobe is Jordan, Jordan Light. Hey, Kobe mimicked. He's Jordan Light. Jordan. We say you can copy Cat of Jordan, whatever you want to say. But you, if you copy someone and are better at it, then you're better. But he let ain't better. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Steve. No. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I got to ask you something. I got to ask a real question here, and I want to see your jaw drop because I've never seen anybody ask this question. How is LeBron the best basketball player ever when he is not the best dribbler ever? He's not even close to having the best handles. His handles are arguably horrible. He's not the best shooter ever, arguably one of the worst shooters ever. He's not the best scorer ever. But guess what? He could be the leading scorer of all time through longevity. Doesn't mean he's the yes, greatest no scorer doubt. ever. He's not even Bernard King when it comes to scoring. He's not near Kobe, and he's not near James Harden for that matter. And whoa, this- whoa, whoa, whoa! He's better than James Harden. Come, coach. No, I'm not coach, saying he's, he's better than James. <laughs> as a scorer. As a scorer. Listen, listen, to what I'm saying. He doesn't have the best handle. He's not the greatest passer of all time. He's not the greatest rebounder of all time. He's not the greatest defender of all time. And he's not the greatest shooter of all time. How is he the best player of all time? Well, okay. No, no, no. But, Coach, let me make the case for LeBron. And I'm not a LeBron guy. I'm not even a Laker fan until he leaves. Okay, I'm a, I'm a Laker fan in hiatus. But LeBron is 6'9", so I don't expect him to be the greatest like Magic was? Like Magic well, was? Magic was a, but Magic was a true point guard, though. The greatest passer of all time? Uh, LeBron is a really good playmaker, though. He is. He's a really good playmaker who shares the ball. He distributes well. He's not the greatest shooter. You're right. But the overall floor game and throughout his career, he's been an elite defensive player. May not be able to really handle the quickest ones. But from two to four, he can guard pretty well. There's some versatility there defensively. He ain't Kobe on defense. Oh, I don't know about what? that. Have you seen Steph Curry light LeBron up? Have you seen Kobe Again, light that's later Curry in... the fuck down? Wait, who hasn't Curry lit up, though? Kobe? I've seen, I've seen situations <laughs> where LeBron has stifled Steph 
when he's no. at the switch at him. He I'm ain't just, no Kobe. I, here's I the problem. I want to know this, Steve. Like, where did we just say, hey, Kobe, you got passed up by LeBron uh, years ago? I, I want to know where that occurred and when and how. Because I just I find it fascinating that we just said, fuck, Kobe, you go over there. LeBron, you're the new guy. No, I don't know how he you know passed. What, you know what Kobe's hurt by? Kobe is hurt by his last four years. That became Fat Elvis. It was well, hard to watch. Why are we not hurting LeBron for his last couple years? Because he's putting up better numbers. But coach, Kobe was shooting a good batting average by his last year. When you're shooting in the 30% as a shooting guard, oh, by the way, this is where I. 35% right now. Okay. Well, okay. You know where I ding Kobe? Kobe in that game seven against the Celtics shot six for 24. It's one of the worst games I've ever seen because he kept taking bad shots, running into the defense. And I love these Laker homers or the cult of Kobe. I hate these people. They say, oh, but he rebounded well. Well, yeah, there's about a million rebounds to get as a low-scoring game. We got to be honest. Kobe played a bad game, and Pau Gasol arguably should have won the MVP in that finals. Okay, I love Kobe, but I'm not a Kobe apologist. There's certain things that he did that just bug me. And he never shot a really high percentage. That's where him and Jordan are really different. Jordan shot at a much higher percentage as a two-guard than Kobe ever did. Now, Kobe should have won more. more, though. He also took a lot of bad shots. He took a lot of bad shots. People don't realize, though, Kobe had to share the rock with the with Shaq. Jordan never had no ball-dominant guy like Shaq. Well, yeah, but you don't think Shaq made things easier for everyone else as, as you double-team the post? I, I just look. Kobe is great. One of the all-time greatest. But I, I'm going to put it to you like this. When it comes to two guards, Jordan is a 10 on almost everything. And this is not a knock on Kobe. Kobe's like a 9.8, 9.9, 9.7. It's not It's not a knock on Kobe to say he's just a shade below. You know where Jordan's really underrated? When he wanted to be a ball distributor, because he actually did play a lot of point, in that 1991 finals, he almost averaged a triple-double. Okay? And the other thing is, Jordan is the best shot-blocking guard I've ever seen. I don't mean chasing down guys on layups. I'm talking about when they had to rotate over and he stuck near the cylinder. Any big man that went up against Jordan had issues getting their shots off or not getting them blocked. Kobe is unbelievable, but he is not Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Nobody is. I'm telling you, coach. There's Jordan, and then there's everyone else. Uh, I don't know. I'm a Kobe guy. We're going to argue about this for about 10 hours. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this real quick. The NFLPA announced there would be no uh, – I mean, not the NFLPA. The uh, the NCAA allowed there's no tailgating at the national title game at SoFi. Bullshit. Hate it. What's, this going on with this, uh, what's going on with this? You know what? That is not so fly at SoFi. Can I just tell you something? As someone that likes to go to college football games, the tailgating, especially as mediocre as Miami has been, is getting hammered before the game. And that's part of the college, especially with these Southern fans like Georgia, who tailgate for like 72 hours with their big Winnebago's. Great people, by the way, all those fans. You're going to take that away. And this is what I hate about the professionalization of college football, that you're taking away the tailgate. 
That I don't get it. It's oh, like, do you do you know why? Because I did not know about this. Why? No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking I, you. I did not know. Maybe about they it. don't have a cleanup crew. Maybe they don't want the hassle. But I, I part is of, it because it's L.A. and then they probably get smoked. <laughs> I don't know. You know, here's the issue. Um, that I think is really interesting is that part of the college football experience. And I've been to many more college football games, specifically Miami games, throughout the course of my life than the National Football League. But whether it's a home game in Miami at the Orange Bowl or Hard Rock or traveling across the country, which I've done, part of the fun and the experience is hanging out for five, six hours, grilling, barbecuing, meeting other fans who are generally very nice, believe it or not, having fun, chopping it up, getting a nice buzz on, and then you kick off. You're just going to tell these people, show up an hour before the game and hand in your come on that's bullshit that's bullshit and that, that alone right there i don't ever want the national title game at sofi ever again take it to the rose bowl they let you tailgate there that's a fine establishment the rose bowl by the way <clears throat> hey let me ask you this right now you have to pick an nfl mv i don't know let me ask you this question what is harder for you Picking the NFL MVP this year in a watered-down fucking shitty league that we know the league goes to the quarterback, MVP goes to the quarterback, or an NFL coach of the year. I believe they're both very, very hard. I don't know which one's harder. Uh, Hmm. Let me answer that question and then give me your coach of the year and your MVP. My MVP. You're going to hate me for saying this. Well, what's harder to pick? Coach of the year or MVP, MVP right now? Because no one's had that one year where I said from week 12 on, you're, you're the guy. Because generally, you can kind of see a guy two-thirds of the way in by mid-November, and you're thinking, you are surging. And you're right. The NFL MVP has been reduced to which quarterback do we like the most this year? Because the fact that Aaron Donald has not – I believe me and Whitlock have said this. Aaron Donald, the past 12 years, has probably been the best football player in the world. I really believe that. Oh, get out. What? What? Don't give me that. What, who's been better than Aaron Donald at his position, coach? Who? Who? But anyway, with that said, I think I think I think I think the kid at Kansas City is better D tackle. Chris Jones. Yep. Interesting. Okay, you're the coach. I'm the jabroni. I'm an NFL guy, and I'm picking a D tackle first. I take Chris Jones first. Wow. I'm really? just telling you. Hey, listen. This is an argument I have playing poker with my coaching buddies all the time. We get into heated battles over this. He is not even Warren Sapp. Well, Warren Sapp, I love him. You know, I'm a Warren Sapp. I'm just being honest. Like, Aaron Donald gets so much love because he looks like a linebacker and he's 5'10". And his leverage allows him to be the freak of nature athlete that he is in an era where offensive line is so fucking soft in the rules that we can have. We can't cut no more like we used to. You can't high-low a guy no more like you used to. And now you got more one-on-one matchups with a freak of nature athlete who's chiseled like a linebacker at D tackle who is so quick that you're one-on-one with a fucking 350-pound guard. Well, well yeah, that was God gave you. When they cut his ass, look at Aaron Donald's production. Shitty. Okay. Wow. All right. Anyway. All right, all right. Go on. My bad. Go ahead. My MVP this year, believe it or not, Jalen Hurts. 
Jalen Hurts. I, I, I can't argue because it's, it's it's so fucking bad. He's actually shown his value the last couple of weeks by not playing. That Eagles team is not the same without him. I just, it's, yeah, it's his feet. So it's still him. So I agree. I agree. What I'm saying is, though, He's so fucking average. It's just like I just find it hard to believe. Like he's he's so fucking average, and we gotta and we gotta like anoint this guy as the fucking MVP. And he's like he's throwing fifty percent of his balls at or behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, fuck, this is what quarterback play is now. And then when he don't like it, he tucks it and runs, and he fucking has scored fifteen touchdowns with his feet. And I'm like, damn, this you know, is one of your MVP. chat members said Josh Jacobs. I don't necessarily disagree, but they're never going to give that award to a player who's on a team that does not make the playoffs. That that no, I agree. I is agree. the reality. Um, Coach of the year is in- interesting. Do you give it to Sirianni or do you give it to a Peterson or Motor City Dan Campbell if their teams make the playoffs? Again, we're arguing expectations versus exceeding them. Like, I'm a big Dan Campbell fan. I I just love the guy. But if they make the playoffs this year, I'm like, wow, that's a hell of a job of coaching. But it's like, what what about Dable? He's in the playoffs. Yes, he is. That's another one. I I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's it's hard. This is a hard discussion for me. I don't know. If you're giving it to a guy because you're you're taking over a franchise that was absolutely garbage last year because Urban Meyer, the finger booty specialist, he <laughs> crippled he crippled the organization. Doug Peterson came in and without really too much roster movement, has got him on the brink of the playoffs. And Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence looks like he's the next. Oh, that's the guy. Player. Sunshine, old sunshine, oh, looking oh, good. So Doug Peterson all of a sudden is on everybody's fucking radar. And then you got MDC who starts off shitty. Nobody cares about him. And then he wins six or seven in a row. And then now they're on the brink of the playoffs. Then you have Sirianni who's just been steady Eddie. And he's won game after game after game. And he's actually beat good teams um, two years in a row, by the way. Yeah. So, like – and then you got this young rookie guy that goes to Minnesota, and guess what? We all can say what we want about Minnesota. Bottom line is they were not a playoff team under Zimmer last year. This guy's come in as a rookie head coach, and he's he's up for the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, but the Vikings, they're a mirage. You know they've I actually mean, been outscored. They're still a mirage with the they, rookie head coach who's won 12 games. Yeah, they, they've actually been outscored, coach. You know, that, that, boy, that does not bode well, generally, if you're, know, you've been outscored. Um and then Pete Carroll for the simple fact that he got rid of the weirdest fucking guy in football, and he's on the brink of the playoffs. He's and then the GM of the year. You got Brian Dable. You got you got uh, you got the guy in uh, what's his name? Uh, Andy Reid. Nobody's talking about Andy Reid. I mean, he's still in the top number one seed debate. And then you got the guy Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, who's just on the verge of going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, Pete Carroll is the GM of the year. To unload Russell Weirdo and get a King's ransom, and now you're gonna have a top three pick. And you got oh. two D two players who are fucking unbelievable. Right. I love the future of two teams, coach. I'll say it again. Seattle, because of what I stated, and the Lions. I don't think this is a fluke. Along with Dan Campbell, the other guy I really want to highlight and give a thumbs up to, uh, Brad Holmes, their GM. 
His last two drafts have been Ozzie Newsome-like. This year's draft, Hutchinson is that guy. But, you know, we kind of knew he'd be good. They got Pascal, uh, Mitchell, the tight end out of Virginia Tech is solid. And they got James Houston, that edge rusher. These guys can all play. And I think Jamison Williams, once he's up and running, will be a dangerous playmaker. And the draft from the year before has been highly productive. If you look at a team that has all the pieces in place and is putting it together, and I believe Jared Goff, for as flawed as he is, he's, he's solid. Ben Johnson's an excellent coordinator. Coach, I'm, I'm just saying, if, if the Lions were a stock, they're Apple in the year 2000. I'd buy heavily into that system, that, that whole program. Let me ask you this. Why is Joe Burrow not being considered for MVP? That's a great question. Let me let me ask you this too, though. Why don't we pick an MVP in the NBA and in the NFL after the season's over? Because I hate to anoint a Mahomes and then they get waxed play round one. Like, I want to see a guy show me what he's well, by made. By the way, the how about Mahomes for MVP? Like Josh Allen, I want to see him win a meaningful yeah. game in December well, or in January in a, in, a, in a bad weather situation or come from behind and not throw the ball in the dirt to win the game. I want to see you win a game before I can anoint you the MVP. I don't care about the regular season. It means absolutely nothing to me. But guess what? We are paying these guys at an all-time high on their regular season efforts. And right. I cannot fathom it. I don't and understand. Coach, why do we do the Heisman Trophy? Uh, before the end of the uh, postseason. How many Heisman Trophy winners have been blown out in their bowl games and you end up thinking, wow, maybe that guy should have won the trophy. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Mahomes. He should be in the MVP race. He's actually been very good without Tyreek Hill. In fact, it is. he's doing a better job of playing on schedule and being more fundamentally sound and just getting the ball to the right guy consistently. That, that offense has not really missed the beat. And if they get home field advantage, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, hmm. Hey, going back to an earlier question before you got on, if this, if this, since this game was canceled last night between the Bills and the, and the, and the Bengals, um, today is going to come down from Goodell. What team, uh, the, the AFC champ uh, or the AFC title game is going to be played at a neutral yeah. field? Yeah. Um, which is just unbelievable to me. Just fucking call the game a tie. Or, right, and live or, with the standings. Move the whole thing back a week. I don't understand this. Well, I don't know if you can move it back a week because of the logistics and all that. But you know what? Look, this was an unprecedented situation for modern-day football. Call it a tie and live with the standings. Look, I understand the decision of the Buffalo Bills and the Bengals not to play. I'm not going to rip it, okay? However, hard decisions have tough ramifications and the ramifications of not playing are evident, especially in a game that really meant a lot in terms of the seeding of the playoffs. So I understand the decision of everyone to walk away from the game. I get it. However, with that said, there are consequences to every action. So live with that. Uh, to me, you're right. I've said that from the beginning. Everyone gets a tie, and you just got to recede from those standings. Live with the decision. Okay, so with the decision that's being made about canceling, and now they're going to come out today, which I believe they're going to say the AFC title game is going to be played at a neutral field. Ugh. Out of these ga- out of these teams, 
because these are the three that are vying for the number one seed, right? It's 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 yeah. it's Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Buffalo. Which one of those teams suffers the most by being away from their home field environment? Buffalo. Because I think the weather and the fact that it's frigid, not just cold, it's frigid, might even snow. I get the sense Buffalo kind of wanted it. I thought it was more vital for them to get home field than any of the other teams. Because if you look at Cincinnati, they have a track record of winning on the road in the playoffs. Look at last year. I think they won three games, or they won two road playoff games. They beat the Raiders at home. The Chiefs have a very good track record at home. And I would much rather face Mahomes on the road than an arrowhead. The Buffalo Bills, to me, are the most severely impacted by not having home field advantage in the playoffs. Well, this is why I think the Chiefs suffer the most from being away from home. Because Mahomes has never played away from home in the playoffs. And when he has, it was the Super Bowl and he lost. Yeah. And then, so I, I got to... I think the Chiefs Stadium, second loudest in the, in the yes. NFL, and in, in, in Kansas City, um, in Arrowhead, I believe is the largest uh, home field advantage in the NFL, them in yes. Seattle. Um, I think they suffer the most. I think that playing in a neutral field, uh, I do agree with somebody in the chat, though. Kansas City does travel the best because of probably their central location. So they yeah. travel to Detroit, to – New Orleans to wherever in an equal amount of time, they their their fan base will travel. Where Buffalo, if the game's played in New Orleans, that's quite a haul. Right, they're in the corner of Upper State New York, right across the pond from Toronto. I, I that doesn't bode well for them. And again, football is meant to be a weather game, like it it impacts. I remember for years, a little bit before I became a full fledged fan. The Rams in the 70s would always have really good teams with Chuck Knox, but they had to go to Minnesota, and they could never play in the cold. Pat Hayden had those little hands, and they'd always kind of flub a game. So it matters. This stuff matters. And so, again, you everyone made the decision to call off the game. Perfectly understandable. But you know what? Now you have to live with the ramifications. That's life. Yeah. Hey, two questions before you get out of here. Um I'm gonna bring on my. Uh, I'm gonna bring on Hector. You want to call in? I want. I want to get your takes with Steve for a second on some betting. Uh, oops. Uh, I'm gonna put in the chat. Uh, Hector, give us a call if you're still in here. I want to talk about some betting. I'm gonna put it in the chat. The link. Uh, Steve, let me ask you this. Baltimore has two playoff wins and since 2013. You know how I feel about Lamar and that whole situation. <laughs> If they don't win a playoff game this year, is John Harbaugh on the hot seat or is he even fired? Uh, no. You know, here's the issue. Who do you get that's better? I think Harbaugh's an excellent coach. And the, I think the bigger issue is Lamar Jackson back. Lamar Jackson gambled on himself, and I'm not saying he rolled snake eyes, but he did not parlay this opportunity into a half-billion-dollar contract. And even when Lamar Jackson was playing this year, me and you would be texting back and forth. There were too many games going into the fourth quarter. They'd have like 10 points. So it's not as if with Lamar, they were scoring 28 to 30 points a game. Look at the numbers. They were not that good. I, I think Lamar Jackson's status with the franchise is much more up in the air than Harbaugh. 
Harbaugh is a quality, top-level coach. He's won ten games with that squad. Yeah, and had a lot of injuries, including your franchise quarterback. Um, my view is this: if you jettison Harbaugh, which I do not agree with, who do you get that's better? Who? And don't say his brother. That, uh, look, no. Jim Harbaugh's a nutty guy. He's not taking his brother's job. He no. ain't that nutty. Good grief. Hey, so let me ask you a question, too. Two scenarios here. Aaron Rodgers wins, beats Detroit, which I think will happen. Yeah. Do you make Jared Goff your guy? Or do you cut bait with him if he cannot and just totally implodes? And it looks like Sean and I broke down the other day how he just doesn't do well in tight-knit situations under pressure. If the Green Bay wins, does Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay and does Jared Goff get re-signed? And if the Detroit Lions can win and Jared Goff shows you something, do you re-sign Jared Goff long-term and is Aaron Rodgers gone? Um. Let me go to Rodgers. I get the sense of that contract and the situation. Aaron Rodgers' body language has really gotten, I think, better. Because I think he believes in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I think he finally says, you know what? I got some young horses out there. I like these kids. But it, but it's going to be up to him this year. Could you act like a good teammate and actually like take these guys under your wing, throw with them once in a while, and do what every other quarterback does and develop them? Be a part of the process. So I believe Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay. I like Jared Goff more than you guys do. Uh, he is flawed, but they have a good thing going there. And let him grow with Ben Johnson. There's a lot of parts. DeAndre Swift is coming into his own as a premier back. Eventually, he's going to be a pro bowler. And Jamison Williams, full year with him. Uh, look, coach, you've said it for years. Why are we overpaying all these quarterbacks? If Jared Goff comes at the affordable price tag, I would stick with them because he's serviceable enough. You can win games. He's been to a Super Bowl, Coach. Don't take that away from him. He has been to a Super Bowl. Hey, Steve. Heck, this is Hector. He works for MGM. Uh, Hector, how you doing? Betting extraordinary, uh, Steve. We got to get some takes from Hector today for this weekend's games. I want to pull it up. I want to get your both of your takes real quick before we get out of here for the day on this fearless Friday. Uh, Steve Kim, thanks for stepping in today and hosting the show and not being a slapdick like me. Hamlin is basically on Zoom live with his kid or with his team. He's talking. So I ex I expect the Buffalo team to come out versus New England this weekend and come out with their balls on fire. That could be a bad thing for Belichick and the Patriots. Um, I was hoping to see something different. But where do you stand with this Patriots-Bills game? Go ahead. Oh, me? Oh, let's get the pro in here. Let's see what yeah. you think. You know, <laughs> combat that shit. I mean, first we got to really find out if the uh, Bills decide to play their starters. Um, I'm I'm not that crazy on the Patriots. Um, it's kind of been very frustrating watching them. And I feel like since Bill Belichick has so much respect, uh, people kind of don't really talk shit. But, like, I just not a big fan of the whole check downs to win. Uh, Stevenson is ranked uh, first in team receptions with Jacoby Myers. And, and if he gets contained, that could be a problem. 
I also don't like the that Mac Jones. I feel like he's kind of a diva. I think he uh, seen like the videos of Tom Brady throwing his iPad on the sidelines, and then he's kind of. I, I've noticed that he's he's shown a lot more emotions, but like I'm not crazy about him. So if the Bills are playing their starters, I'm gonna have to rock with the Bills there. Hey Steve, let me ask you though. Now with the cancellation game, to Hector's point, the Chiefs now have to beat the Raiders. Correct. The Bengals have to win their game against the Ravens, and the Bills have to win their game. So now that you can throw up this bullshit AFC number one seed and figure it out and let Goodell even have a harder job. Um, we already know where the Jaguars sit. They got to win to get in. We already know the Dolphins – they're on the outside looking in. If they beat the Jets, I think Patriots are eliminated anyway. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the truth or not. But then the Chargers, they already kind of sit where they sit. They can't really move up too much. Um, there's now some meaningful games with this cancellation as to before. You might have not been playing these starters. Coach, given the fact they played about, what, seven and a half minutes on Monday – I'm a big believer in momentum. I don't like it when these teams bench all their starters and then get a week off. And I've seen yeah. too many teams lose their mojo and momentum. If I'm the Bills, I play everybody, and I play in the majority of the game. You're the better team. And, look, I'd be frustrated, too, if Matt Patricia was my offensive coordinator. I don't blame Mac. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I, I, I'd be pissed off, too, if that guy was calling my plays. I, I like the, I like the Bills pretty big, and, I, and the fact that they know that Hamlin is alive I know. and making progress that gives them a spiritual lift. They're gonna play hard. I, I expect them to win this game pretty. They're, they're that much better than than New England, though. Top to bottom, they have a much better roster. Hey, breaking news right here on the Coach JB Show. Javadion Javadion Clowney just was sent home and told not to come back because he criticized the team and how they have played him. Yeah, yeah. He's, I have the quote. He said in an interview that he felt unappreciated by the Browns, and he's 95% certain that he won't come back for the third season. So they sent his bitch ass home today. Another prima donna fuck <laughs> who's going to demand a trade, who's already been paid, and we're going to allow it. Watch. Jadavion Clowney, the number one pick overall, has never had a double-digit sack season. And that's a guy that Merrill Hodge called out immediately before the draft. And everyone got on Hodge. He just said, I just look at the tape. The tape don't lie. The eye in the sky do not lie. And Hodge nailed it. <laughs> he called it. Hey I, try to, hey, I try to say that all the time, uh, Steve. I try to show film and I'm like, well, if, 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 if Hector was driving an Uber and drove into the fucking Eiffel Tower and it's on film, Guess what? It fucking happened. Yeah. I don't understand why Derek Carr being shitty on film is so – I'm such an asshole for showing it. It is what it is. The, the all, right, all right, after Titans, Jags, must win for both. Winner gets in, winner takes all. I want to get you guys' take on this one. Steve, go ahead. Um, you know what? The Titans have been the Titanic after the iceberg. They look terrible. They have not won a game in a while, and I am a believer in Trevor Lawrence, and that's a good young nucleus. I like the Jaguars. 
All right, Hector, give us some stats. Stat yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Both teams are on a completely different path in terms of momentum. The Jags are on a four-game win streak. Titans lost their last six. Uh, the Titans are very one-dimensional. They are getting Derrick Henry back. Uh, the interesting stat here is that the Titans are ranked dead last in passes over 20 yards, and they've also given up the most touchdown passes of passes traveling over 20 yards. So is Christian Kirk going to light them up? Um, the I got to go with the Jags here, man. Mm. Huh, I just I, – I'm it's interesting, man, because Vrabel back against the wall – is a guy that I want in the bar fight or in the alley with me. And I, I yeah, just, but do you want Josh Dobbs as your quarterback? <laughs> That's, the problem. That's why I'm going to go with the Jags as well. Uh, that is why I'm going with the Jags. And, and, and like you say, uh, momentum is a, is a, is a great one to have on your side. Uh, the Bucks are already in the playoffs. That, uh, that game don't matter. Uh, the Ravens Bengals, um, 10 and 6 Ravens, 11 and 4 Bengals in Cincinnati after this whole thing. Cincinnati's still going to have their own feelings about the injury. And if you haven't looked in the history of the game over the last few years, some of the most catastrophic injuries have occurred on this football field. I would yeah. get rid of the fucking stadium at this point. We've had so many major injuries on this field alone in the last five years. Um, having said that, Ravens, Bengals. I don't believe Lamar plays. Um, both teams are in, but where are they going to be seated? And I think this game's meaningful. I like the Bengals. And again, if I'm running that team, they didn't play last week for more than a few minutes. They had an they ultimate get, scrimmage. Right. So let's get the, again, football, all sports are a game of timing, rhythm, getting used to contact. And this game, and look, and again, I just told you this a few minutes ago, Coach, the Ravens don't score a lot. And one team has Joe Burrow, the other one has the backup. Give me Burrow over the backup. Hector? Uh, definitely a game to keep an eye out um, in terms of players starting. Um, because I, f I feel like I think the whole game being canceled, um, it fucked the Bills because now they, I believe they don't have a shot at the number one overall seed. Uh, the Bengals are kind of chilling, but uh, who knows what the the game plan really is in terms of playing their guys. So, I mean, the obvious answer here is the Bengals. Um, hey, coach, I got to cut out here real fast. I got to cut out. Okay, I'll get All right, see you. I'll see you, I'll see you Sunday, brother. See you there. Nice meeting you. Peace. My bad, Hector. I got the fucking thing playing. All right. Uh, let me ask you this game real quick before we get out of here today. Um, shit. Let me ask you about these uh, last few games. Uh, the Jets. Jets and the Dolphins. Huge game. Implications. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think there? Because the Jets have nothing to play for. The Dolphins do. They don't. I don't know if Tua is playing. I don't think he is. Um, the Jets have to win, in my opinion, for Sala to build some type of concrete foundation moving forward with a team that's got a hell of a roster, in my opinion, that just needs to find the for quarterback. Sure. Uh, I think the Jets get it done, and if the Patriots can handle business, Patriots get in. But that's the whole thing to see. I want to see the Jets. They've announced Flacco as the star. Yeah, I was, 
I was going to ask you if you saw that. And I got to see, I, I think the Jets get it done. It's a it's a very interesting defense. I was like looking at how they've been doing against the wide receiver position. And all season, they've only allowed four players to eclipse over 100 receiving yards. They played the Dolphins in week five, and they held Tyreek to 47, Waddle to 23 receiving yards. And also in week five, they did not have Tua or Teddy, so you kind of get a glimpse to 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 the Week 18 uh, matchup. Teddy has a chance to be active, uh, but the Dolphins might be stuck with their third string quarterback here. Um, I do hope the Jets uh, show up for this game. Uh, the Dolphins, I it's I I hope they don't make the playoffs because I feel like it's going to be a headache. Uh, kind of dealing with the whole Tua and his this concussion thing. And what if he gets another fucking concussion in the playoffs? Like, goddamn, you're, you're, <laughs> the shit could get serious. So I hope the Jets get it done there. I got to ask, do you know, how can, I don't know if you know, I'm trying to find it here. Um, I'm trying to look at the scenarios because the, the Rams and Seattle play rivalry game, NFC West matchup. The Rams would love to keep Seattle out. Seattle needs help. Um, yeah, I don't I, know what help. I'm trying to look. So at I, I have I have them all written down. So Seattle needs to win, and Detroit needs to win or tie uh, for the Seahawks to get into the playoffs. Okay, so they're all so Green Bay, Detroit, and Seattle are all in the hunt for the seventh seed. What's What's kind of shitty about this Packers uh, Lions game is that the Packers win, they're in. If the Lions, um, if the Rams, the Lions need the Rams to win for them to have a shot. So if the Rams lose, um, are they going to be mentally clocked out for that game? Right, right. I don't know. Uh, there's some scenarios. Philly, to, to be the one seed, has to win or Dallas lose. Um, they clinch the one seed and home field advantage. Um, if they win, Dallas and Frisco loses. Um, the the I'm reading that the Eagles are not locked in at number one. They they do need to beat the Giants this weekend, and there have been numerous reports that the Giants are most likely arresting uh, their players this weekend. Yeah, no question. Um, the the Cowboys. Uh, I'm I guess sorry. Dallas still can be the number one, and Perfect. so can Frisco. Correct. The Cowboys, they can either get the 5-2 or the 1 seed. That's uh, crazy. Uh, and then Seattle. Seattle has to win, and Green Bay has to lose. Seattle. Real simple. That's what it is. Um, and Detroit has to win. Seattle has to lose. Yep. So that's those scenarios. Um Green Bay wins. They're in the playoffs. They're the only team that holds their own fate. Um, that's really the NFC right there. On the AFC side, um, let me see if I can get the AFC side. On the AFC side, I think it's uh, number one seed scenario after the cancellation Bills got uh, the Chiefs will be the one if they win with a Bills loss, and um, two if the Bills lose and the Bengals lose. 
So I don't – and then the Bills clinch with two wins. So the Bengals game is not being played anymore, so there is no more two-win scenario. So the Chiefs have to lose. Bills have to win. Bengals got to lose. Yeah, so what's it's crazy because, like, the Chiefs, like, they're going to be playing their guys. Uh, they got to have if they want that seat. But now but – but this is the key, though. And I just want – I'm not – I'm not nearly as vested as you in this betting thing. All I know is this. If Goodell announces, which is supposed to happen in the next hour, if the AFC title game is going to be played at a neutral site, the Chiefs may not play anybody. Why? Why? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're not going to host a home game anyway for the title. So if that's the case, would you risk playing your guys? And, and would you play them if you're Buffalo or Cincinnati either? Because all three of those games, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the one seed is. The AFC title game is going to be played at a neutral site if he announces this today. And then it doesn't really matter who the one seed is because you're not going to play at home anyway. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, about betters out there because I wouldn't play Mahomes and, and that team if I'm not going to host a game at Arrowhead in the, in the title game. If you're investing your money this weekend, like be on top of this shit. Or not. This probably would be your. Would you be safe to say I wouldn't even bet this week? There's definitely t- games that I want to bet on, like 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 the Titans Jaguars winner gets in. Uh, oh yeah, Pat, no, no, no. The, the the Packers. Um, and then one team. I'm so I'm glad that you brought up the Panthers. Um, in the show today because they're they're plus three and a half against the Saints. And uh, it, I'm I'm on tw- I'm looking on Twitter and play multiple players are coming out to the public saying they want this guy back. So you kind of get a good glimpse of what that locker room is like. Uh, Deontay Foreman, the 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 week after the, they traded C- Christian McCaffrey, he went for back to back games, 118 yards. And the most impressive thing about the Panthers right now is that um, they don't have to rely on the run game. Sam Darnold threw for 341 passing yards, three touchdowns against the Buccaneers, who at that time last week, it was a must-win game. So it's very impressive. The Saints, I don't know what the hell is going on with that team. Kamara has five receptions combined in the past three games. Like, come on, man. Give me the Panthers plus three and a half. They're fighting for that guy. Yeah, I, I I like that one. I think that he should be the new coach and take the interim off. I don't know if he will be. They don't do interim coaches in the NFL too often. They 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 go with the commercial hire, unfortunately, too many times. Um, and I just hate the fact that they don't understand. I I would have went with Basaccia in, in Vegas. I would have kept him. The yeah. team loved him and. Uh, now you got a shit show in fucking jo- and McDaniel's. So shit show that, that like I was the one that brought up Josh Jacobs in the chat for MVP. Like I was looking at all of Derek Carr's six wins this year. I don't think they were necessarily because of him. They were because of Josh Jacobs. They ran this fucker to the ground. We even saw it on primetime. He, he dislocated his finger, and he was still like the prime focal point of that offense. I'm going to read you right now the six games the Raiders won, how many rushing yards Josh Jacobs went for. 
144, 143, 109, 229, 144, 93. And against the week 18, right? Like, is he tired of getting run to the fucking ground? He he's a free agent. He's a free agent. If if the if he is mentally clocked out and he's trying to save his body for the next season and get fucking paid, like he and he's also on the injury report with the hip and oblique issue. Like, god damn, like I don't see how the Chiefs can possibly lose this game. Uh it's gonna be interesting, man, to say the least for the re- for this for these games because there's now some meaningful games that were no longer meaningful. It depends on how Goodell comes out and what rule he makes on how guys mm-hmm. are gonna play their guys, and I'm pretty sure that's what's happening in Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati as we speak. They're probably waiting on Goodell's um, ruling, and if there's no way to host a game uh, for the title and you're going to get your first and second round games at home, then I'm not going to play my guys. If there's no, if we're going to play our title game at a neutral field anyway, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rest my guys. Uh, that's just is what it is nowadays in the NFL. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Um, there isn't any more meaningful games this weekend, right? Uh, we, I don't, I don't think we talked about the Steelers. Um, oh, so they, they can make the, they can make the playoffs if they win and the Patriots and Dolphins lose. And the Patriots have the Bills. Dolphins might be with their third-string quarterback against a, a, a decent, a, a decent defense. So, and then now you just have that Jadavian Clowney news that there's turmoil in that locker room. They're sending guys home. The the Steelers like that. They gotta fucking love that. And it's also like a rival. They they got some a rivalry. Yeah, it's a rival. teams. And, and and Deshaun Watson's butt cheeks. He's fucking horrible. Uh, and I told, I knew that there's no, I would never play the dude, but uh, it is what it is. Um, the, the Steelers defense has only given up one touchdown in the per game in the last three games. So that defense has been playing their ass off. And Najee Harris just had his, uh, one of his best games of the season, 111 yards on the ground. And that receiving touchdown, that was money by Pickett. You saw that? Uh, Najee Harris rolling out, and that was that was beautiful. And if the Browns let Austin Eckler's tiny ass rush for 173 yards on them, come on, man. Najee Harris and the Steelers' defense need to step up right here. Hey, we're on Fearless Friday. Uh, I'm going to put in this chat, a link to the chat. I'm going to do a giveaway on a trivia. I got a trivia question for you. Call in if you're a member. I want to get your trivia question for a free hoodie. Call in. I put the chat right there. I got a hoodie. I got a question for you guys. Um, I got a few. I got a few questions for you guys. I'll give you a few. A few of you guys call in. I'll do a giveaway right now for a trivia. The link is in the chat. Um, let me ask you this, Hector, real quick. Nah, I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save it for the trivia. Uh, <laughs> I gotta save it for the trivia. Um. Here, I'll ask you one question, though, um, if you can get this right. Who is the youngest quarterback right now in the NFL who starts? Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, or Trevor Lawrence? 
What was the first one? Herbert Hurts Lawrence. Youngest starter right now. Herbert? No. <laughs> no. Herbert's 24. Maybe I gotta add age age to my uh to my stats. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is twenty three. God damn, good for him. Hey, uh, no one's calling in, and I gotta get out of here in a minute. Uh, let me ask you this: Who's the youngest winning Super Bowl quarterback of all time? The youngest quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Yep. Is it Tom Brady? No, he was 24. Ben Roethlisberger was 23. Oh, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you another. I'll give you another chance. I got some questions popping in my head right now. Between Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, and Stetson Bennett, who's the oldest quarterback? I don't even know who Stetson Bennett is. That's <laughs> the starter at University of Georgia. Oh, that. <laughs> I'm not a big college guy. <laughs> hey, Stetson Bennett's older than all. Yeah, I just know that that guy's that fucker's old. <laughs> He's in is... college. Um, oh, Jeremiah looking like a straight. Fucking redneck backwood. Fucking, he will kill you or shoot you in the face and go drag you in the snow. What up, man? You, you gotta hey, do better. You gotta do better than me, Jeremiah. God damn, I bricked it. All three. <laughs> hey, we, is- uh, let, me, let me bring in. We got a bunch of people. We got delivery man at UPN or post office. Gabriel, what up? We got Christopher. Powell. What's up, coach? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What up? What are you doing? Driving a truck? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hey, we got a delivery man. We got real workers out here, man. <laughs> yeah, get the guys that are working. <laughs> Jeremiah going with the new rock and the new style. I like it. Hey, hey man, I, I had to get to, had, had to adjust to this new technology. Hey, what are you to right now? Where you at? Huh? Where you at right now? I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, Nashville right now, just about in Nashville. Okay, got you. Where are you based out of? I'm based out of Alabama, man, near Selma. Okay, got you, got you. What do you haul? I'm hauling uh, OSB uh, lumber. Okay, okay. Hey, lumber's high as draft pussy right now, dog. It's high as hell. Uh, I, wish they, I wish they paid like it. <laughs> they don't pay that much to haul it, though. <laughs> I, I hear you. Shit, I hear you. Hey, Gabriel, what up, man? What, hey, I got a beef to pick with you. They've been stealing my fucking mail. Is it? Is it your ass stealing it or your military? Nah, it's not me. You'll get it next day with me, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Where you at? You in Cali? Yeah, La Puente. Okay, okay. What's up, man? What's up? Not much. Working. I joined today to call in. So I was like, hey, let me try it. Hey, that's right. That's right. What's up, man? Hey, God, let's go. Hey, get, uh, Chris, you got a question? What's going on? I don't know, man. I just, I just trying to get some, get that free hoodie, man. You offer the free hoodie, so I said, well, I'm, I'm out of way to try my look. Hey, my bad. You got you got to call back in Monday, man, because I, I already did. I had those are my three questions that I already asked Hector because nobody damn called in. So, uh, hey, 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 I got a question. Then I got a question. I got a question. All right. 
All right. Who is your pick to come out of the AFC, man? I'm, I'm a Buffalo fan. Uh, I agree with you about Josh Allen, though, man. Josh Allen, he runs too much, and he does not slide. I be, I be cringing when he does that. But I, I'm picking Buffalo out of the AFC. If not Buffalo, it's going to be Cincinnati. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I got to rock with Cincy right now. But after the Buffalo-Cincy thing and this soft-ass culture we live in, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them lost early and uh, mentally can't get over it. I don't know. I, I like Cincy. Yeah, the last few weeks, I think they're playing better than anybody in the league. Uh, I don't know how it ends up. Now, Buffalo may have momentum and motivation. Who knows? Uh, or they get complacent because they know their brother is now healthy. So I don't know how it works. It's all mental. Who knows how this thing's going to slide. Um, but I like Burrow. I think he's the most consistent. And, uh, and you know, I'm not a Mahomes guy, but I think Kansas City has still got to be uh, worried. Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Mahomes guy either, but uh, I, I think uh, – I think he he's he's he got more weapons. I think I, I think it's the weapons he got. He got so many weapons. He can go to Pacheco. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? He got decent receivers, stuff like that too. So you know, yeah. hey, hey man, but, uh, be safe out there on the road, man. I appreciate you calling in and call back right. Monday. I'm doing trivia every day now from now on. So call back Monday, man. All right, all right, sure will. All right, brother. Sounds good. Yay, man. What's going on? You got a question? Uh, I guess we're coming out the NFC. So uh, I, got, I got the Niners. Who knows? Uh, I like – man, it's going to be somebody we don't expect. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants can win a playoff game or two. I'm going to be honest. I, I just think that they're going to be uh, – they're a team that you got to worry about because you don't really have a lot of Daniel Jones playoff experience to watch on film. So you're going to get a guy who's pretty free and release, and you don't know what you're going to get with a Dable hyped-up team. And uh, they could actually shock a Minnesota or uh, – a Green Bay or a team like that, depending on who they end up getting. Um, who knows, though? I, I just think it's going to be somebody we don't expect. That's all I can say. It's just it's up in the air. I don't like the Niners uh, with Purdy. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl or get out of the division. I don't think that Hurts can lead the Eagles either. So having said that, is it going to be the Bucks? Is it going to be Dallas? Is it going to be um, – Not Dallas. Don't don't even joke around Dallas. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, yeah, I'm with him. Fuck Dallas. All right, how's it going, Coach? Bro. Uh, what up, Jeremiah? You called in first, man. What's going on? Yeah, hey, Coach, I thought I was trying to get in. I saw you said nobody called in, so I was like, I'll man, try. My I'm going to do it. I'm going to do trivia from now on again, so I'll be back starting it up. So. I, I haven't been able to participate a lot because i actually been trying to get my fat ass in shape, so I'll be at the gym a lot of times listening to you. It's it's motivating, man. You throw out the quotes and stuff. And I will say, too, for people who don't know, it's 5 a.m. when you come on for me. So. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey early bird gets warm, right? Yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to get up early, Coach. It's just hard for me to get moving anymore. That's the problem. I, I hear you. Trust me. Trust me. I, I hear you. In the, I'm the same way. I'm the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I know you've been trying, Coach. I know you've been trying. Your problem is you're too damn good at cook, man. I'd be 500 pounds if I was as good at cooking. Man, I'm eating, uh, I'm eating healthy <laughs> shit, man. Uh, <laughs> hey, Brian Martinez, you on the way? You got my – how many books you got, motherfucker? <laughs> hey, still the one, only the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for the How many books you got in the book right now? It's the plug. Why the world? Coach, man, I got one question for you, dog. I've been trying to figure out the answer. Why in the hell do we drive on a parkway and we park in the driveway? 
You always got some shit, man. I just haven't seen your shows, man. You just be in there gigging, flowing, dancing. Like, you got all kinds of shit going on over there, man. What's going on? What kind of show you got cracking? Listen, Coach, when the people hitting me up wanting to sponsor and do everything, I'm doing everything I can to get them all to come in. You know what I'm saying? Let's go, JB. We bringing it to the top. I can't answer your question because I, I, there's a lot of shit like that out there. You know, why we call it mayonnaise? You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey Coach, I, yeah. in honor of Brian Martinez being on the show, I do have I do have a – I ordered an autograph book that I never got. When? Uh, from the old website. I figured when the transition came over, it just never – I, I I'll send you the stuff, but I I yeah, it just was that not that Books out Monday. I got a bunch of new book requests. I'll send it out in that batch. Okay, yeah. If you look, if you if you look at the last get the tracking order number. I did, which, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Saying, I don't know the tracking number. As we, I know, wasn't that stressed out. I just didn't want. I knew with you having the vodka and all the stuff going on, I just didn't want to be a pain in your ass. Nah, so, nah, shit. Let me know, man. I don't want people to go without having Brian Martinez. You know, he bugged me for six months. Finally, got three books. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, sold, sold two of them on eBay. <laughs> hey, Brian, where are you at? Who me? I'm yeah. In Hollywood. What are you doing right now, though? Where are you at right now, though? Oh, I just uh, dropped off my girl. I'm gonna be on Fountain, Fountain, and passing Crenshaw Heights. Okay. Um. Hey, VJ asks, why, though, why is a building called a building if it's already built? You see? Exactly, Coach. We got to answer these answers now. Now, Coach, if I could ask you one thing, what is there one food that is a California food? Is there one food? When you think New York, you think pizza here and there. Mm. What is one food you think of California? Guacamole. Or L.A. If a avocados. Yeah, we're known for avocados, dog. I mean, that... That is a staple of ours, avocado. Um, but a lot of fresh produce out of Cali. Yeah, a lot of it. But I would also say uh, California burrito. Ooh. Yeah. With potato. California burrito has uh, french fries in carne asada. Oh, man. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Burgers, baby. You can't get that shit in fucking Florida and Jersey, dog. Fuck. Carne yep, California burritos. California burrito has French fries in it with carne asada, onion, all the shit. And those are California burritos. Those are a staple of ours. Um, so I don't know. That's one of those things, I think. That's one of those staples. But avocado. And you throw avocado in there, of course. Um, I think bacon, turkey, avocado sandwiches are, are a thing here, too. I think avocado toast the kids like. Yeah, avocado toast, I think, is uh very feminine, so I would never do it. It's what the kids do. And coach, my last one. I know you, uh, the other day you said you lived in twelve states. Out of all those twelve, besides Cali, which one would you live in if you had to? Uh, Hawaii or Chicago? Not fucking Florida, Wido. I'm like working it. on it. I like Hawaii. Uh, I love Chicago's downtown. Chicago's downtown to me is one of my favorite. Uh. But I, I don't know if I want to live in the cold. Hawaii, just to me, I just love being there. But I only I get over Hawaii too, real simple, real easy. So I don't know if uh, I could stay there permanently. So I would have to stay in Cali for 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 life. But uh, those places I like to visit. Nice. Florida, nah. East Coast Gridiron, uh, he's subscribed to Wido's show. You guys Appreciate make sure you follow uh, Wido. 
on his show. And, uh, hey, man, it's been a good week, man. Shit, numbers are up. We've had, like, shit, 800 people one time this week live. Uh, numbers are up. We're getting it going. Uh, Pac-Man Jones on Monday. We got some guests next week lined up. And uh, I've been busy as hell getting the cigar lounge ready. Coach, man, all I can say is you better not hold back with Pac-Man on his boxing career. We've been disappointed. Come on, Coach. Keep it real with him. Oh yeah, he's real. He, he's he, we 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 go back and forth on text all the time. So I'm he knows I'm not, I'm bringing that shit up. Yes, sir. Um, he he packs lips too. Isn't he like a big uh, Copenhagen guy? Oh, yeah, he's big. We both we both are Cope guys. So he uh yeah he he's in the Bahamas right now. He didn't want to call in today. He was supposed to come in this morning. He's like, man, I've been drinking. I'm fucked up. I ain't calling that early. <laughs> oh, there we go. Straight cut. You like that raw cardboard right there? Oh yeah, and right. that shit. I like the mint and the mint wintergreen. It's just like I like my coffee black. Hey, I hear that shit. No doubt. Um, hey man, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you guys. I'm gonna get out of here, get back to my studio work. I gotta get this cigar lounge finished and completed, uh, so I can uh, chill uh, and take this shit in there. I'm trying to get the lighting and the fucking acoustics right with the cameras and all that. And then that shit is going to be off the hook. Uh, it's already a better studio than uh, most, but we'll see. Nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. This fucker's got to go out and piss because it's finally stopped raining here in Cali. So, all right, B-Mark, go read my third book. Appreciate you. <laughs> all right, y'all. Let's be fearless on this Friday. Appreciate you, Coach. All right, peace, Coach. All right, guys. I'll see you guys on Monday. Peace. Peace. All right, guys, all you guys have a good weekend. I'll see you guys on Monday right here on the Coach AB Show. Make sure you go on over to CoachABStore.com, get you some merch, go to CandidateCBD.com, and BetOnline.ag, promo code BELIEVE. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you Monday. Have a good weekend. Peace. <laughs>